Welcome to Sunglasses at Night podcast, episode 1991. Mm. I'm not saying the numbers anymore because I don't know what they are. I keep forgetting, but I just think it's to say episode 1991 is sufficient. People know what's going on. This would be our 10th. Oh, let's say number 10. That's okay. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Nice round number. Absolutely, number 10. So, look, you know, 1991, we're an extra year into the decade. Um, one of the finest decades that are around. This is it's a it's a weird time for music because we've still got a bit of the um, the eighties is hanging on. We're about to get into the the grunge era, Tom. Yes, although not on this podcast. Not we're, not we're on the doorstep of it. <laughs> we're on the doorstep of grunge. Although looking at the future weeks of this, no one would know because um, yeah, the, the the grungers, the grunge rockers, they didn't quite make it into the charts but they did not just not quite while. number one no. so you know there's there's some songs popping up um so there's a bit of the old um yeah the the, the hair the hair guys the hair metal the hair rock mm. the glam the grunge um the hip-hop yes coming out the rappers it, so. does, it does feel a bit like there's kind of a changing of the guard happening slowly but i don't i'm not sure if it was one of those things people were actually aware of at the time no, but, no. or maybe it's just something that only seems Obvious in hindsight, but I think yeah. so. In retrospect, yeah, for sure, completely agree. Um, so look, we'll kick it off. Let's do it. Fifth um, of Jan, one week. The Righteous Brothers Unchained Melody, <sighs> just one left over from last we covered year. This. We've covered this. This song sucks. Shit, it's, it's pretty boring. Um, usually, sometimes time I'll listen to the song again during the week to see whether my criticisms or comments mm-hmm. were justified. But I didn't even bother with this one. I just <laughs> went. I don't need to hear this ever again for the rest of my life. There's nothing about this that I enjoyed. No. The first time back in the nineties, there's nothing I enjoyed about it last week, no. and there's probably nothing I enjoy about it now. I had a crack at it, got about a minute in and was like, no, this is as bad as I remember it being. Yeah, Yeah, what about, and there's nothing about the melody that I would consider to be unchained. Is unchained the same as unhinged? (laughs) No. Is it it like unhinged melody? (laughs) See, the name implies that it's more interesting than it is. Oh, absolutely. Like Hazy Shade of Winter, Yeah. you know, the original. It's like it just implies a more interesting song than you're actually getting, but... As I think we discovered last week, it's only called Unchained Melody because it's based on a crappy 1955 film called Unchained that no one's ever oh, seen or cared about. That's it, it was in that, hence yep. the name. So, yeah. Because you listen to that, you look at the name and you go, Unchained Melody, that mm. sounds very interesting. And then you listen to the song and go, that's not interesting at all. I was wrong. It's, it's misleading, if anything. <laughs> so, yeah. If you've not heard this song before, don't bother. Just move on to yep. the first new song of the year. Um, mm. 1991's first big number one 12th of Jan for three weeks only for some reason I thought this was a number one Me hit too. for about six years because it seemed to be like one of those songs it's that omnipresent it was and I'm of course referring to Vanilla Ice 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 Baby oh, what more you know what more can you say well I don't know what we can really say about <laughs> this song that hasn't already been said is there anything <laughs> that anyone can say you can think of a few things that's well, good sure well, let me ask you this Ben what yes. do Unchained Melody and Ice Ice Baby have in common 
apart from the fact that they were both number one songs in 1991, yes. there's something um, else. Yes, there is. Oh, jeez. Um, does it have something to do with the Under Pressure sample? No? No, no. no. It's They're in the same category, which okay. is uh, big hits that were originally B-sides. Oh, okay. And there's quite a lot of them. I, you know, there's too many to list, but really there's... Things like We Will Rock You, Born Slippy, Yellow Leadbetter, I Am The Walrus, Strawberry Fields Forever, and okay. Unchained Melody. They, This was on the B-side to play, the, play That Funky Music, or possibly Play The Funky Music. <laughs> it's remember. hard to know. The grammar of Vanilla Rice I mean, is inconsistent. That was but... a chonky cover of the, the original yep. old uh, funk song, but a DJ played this instead, and it climbed up the charts and became the first hip-hop single to top the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly the first one to get mainstream radio airplay, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's hard to imagine that this was the first sort know, of rap it's song. It's kind of depressing it'd be <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of people would ever have heard of, you know, but yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and this is um, off the album To the Extreme. Yes. How, how extreme <laughs> is the album, Tom? Have you, well, did you listen to the whole thing front to back this week? I think... You'll get some idea if I tell you that uh, the word two is not in fact spelled T-O, but is in fact the number two. Ah, okay. And I'm pretty sure that extreme does not have an E at the start of it. Okay, just um, with an X. Yeah, that's what that makes sense, for sure. Is that actually correct? I think I that is. I'm just guessing. You're guessing. Well, look, Tom, we don't guess here. We do the it's research. It's got to be a number two. Um, it's actually, no, it's not. It's spelled, oh, it's spelled correctly. Boo, um, lame. So you're behind Prince already. Yeah, it's, definitely. Prince would never have let that shit slide. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, It was play that funky music, sorry, yeah, uh, it sold 15 million copies, the album. That's yeah, a lot. That's um, a lot. It would have mostly been off the back of this single, yeah. I'm thinking, because, you know, name another song. Absolutely. I but, can, but then I'm a dag. Um, and I'm glad that the record label, after that sort of 15 million sales, didn't bother cashing in, I don't think, from what <laughs> I can understand. They didn't bother releasing um, a live album called Extremely Live, um, almost immediately <laughs> after that came out. Um, so that was good. There's nothing I like more than a live album that comes out about three weeks after mm, the actual... It doesn't say cash in at all. Yeah, that, so released... So this was... The, the live album was released on the 6th of March, 1991. Um, and To The Extreme was released on the 22nd of August, 1990. So we're talking about six months later. Vanilla Ice has gone to number one and they've mm. immediately hit out with a live album, which is effectively all the same songs. And apart from Ice Ice Baby um, and the previously mentioned Tom, you talked about Play That Funky Music, mm-hmm. um, does it surprise you the rest of the album's kind of terrible? Um, does that surprise you? There's the rest lo- of the album's <laughs> kind of terrible. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, implying that... Okay, I'll, I'll rephrase that. That all of the album is terrible. Um, but, uh, no, no, it doesn't. Yeah, there's not a lot on there, so he's able to sell um, a lot off the back of that. Um, and look, I guess one of the you know, there's a lot of there's ske- there's a few sketches on here, of the skits, um, to sort of pat it out about, uh, pat that out a bit. Um, but yeah, not a lot of action. I guess the question that I want to ask is, do you prefer this version, <laughs> the Ice Ice Baby, off to the extreme, or do you prefer? Um, the rap metal version that he released on Hard to Swallow album um, about five years later where he decided to... Because Vanilla Ice, 
He's yeah. not one to stick with something. He's keen to check out different trends, go in different directions. So when the new metal hit, he said, I can do that mm. and I'm going to re-record my Quite classic hit in a new metal style. A lot of this era did yep. do that same thing, like every single glam metal act Absolutely. that was going around. Um, oh, look, it's hard to say. <laughs> I, can't, good. I can't even tell whether I prefer To The Extreme or Hard To Swallow album titles oh, I mean, they're both yeah. they're both so great absolutely um for sure you know it, it is really difficult <laughs> to know um it does yeah because what a lot of people don't realize is that you've got um obviously to the extreme which tom is pure hip-hop pure yes. rap um <laughs> sure it's very best the straight stuff then the next album after that um mind-blowing he goes <laughs> in a, a smoke in the the wacky weed sort of oh, um, following in the footsteps of, um, you know, I guess like uh, Cypress Hill were quite popular, oh, I think, okay. during that. Yes, you know, sort sure. of a lot of let's get on the bongs and, you know, that sort of stuff. So he did uh, the album Mind Blowing, which he um, does that one. And I believe Roll Em Up features the great lyric, um, Roll Em Up, Roll Up the Hootie Mac. <laughs> Has anyone ever, have you ever heard anyone call marijuana Hootie Mac? <laughs> Has someone ever said to you, Tom, roll up the hootie mac? <laughs> Fucking no one's ever said that. So I don't know what, what he's doing with that. So. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been done. And then, of course, after that, he went into Hard to Swallow, which is the um, the rap metal album, um, which well. which features... These um, covers get better and better. Absolutely do, which features um, Too Cold. So if you're, if you're looking for the, the, <laughs> the rap metal version of Ice Ice Baby look no further than Too Cold check it out on YouTube um, it's terrible and uh, yeah it's good stuff mm. <laughs> and then from wow. there he, he continues doing um, he does <laughs> one of those albums where one half's rap and one half's rock so it's sure, all good sure. anyway it's all it's, good signs yeah yeah so look um, so I, was, I said I was going to talk about stuff that, that people what, what can we say that no one else has <laughs> I'm sure people have talked about this what else do you have for me um, well this whole song was based on the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity chant in the film School Days, mm. including the almost the entire dance that he does and the whole thing. So you can just YouTube that if you want to see it. It's yep. from a it's it's like a sort of African American centered uh, you know high school movie, and they just do the whole thing, and it's just chant is ice ice baby. You know, it's not ice, ice, it's ice, ice, and then they do this very similar dance. Not to mention, basically, the whole melody, such as it is, was just taken from Under Pressure by Queen and David <laughs> yeah. Bowie, which was later settled out of court for an undisclosed sum, always a good sign. And half of the rhyming was uh, later, you know, shown to be taken from a Death Row Records rapper called Marvin Chocolate Johnson, who Suge Knight uh, took. Vanilla Ice into his office and had some stern words with him, so then he had to pay him out as well. So, yeah, you know, they say that talent borrows, Ben, but genius steals. <laughs> and by that metric, this song is indeed a very much a piece of genius. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's the, there's the, I don't know whether it's an urban legend or not, that Suge Knight took Vanilla Ice and hung yes. him over the balcony by his feet. I have heard that. Sort of Vanilla Ice, of course, claims that that didn't happen, but who knows? Who does know? Exactly right. So, look, he's a man of many talents, a man of many styles. As we've seen, he can do rap, he can do rock, he can do a combination of rap and rock. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether he's done a country album, but one would hope so. As you've said, most of this song is effectively borrowed um, or stolen. And interested. I mean, how does that work? You want... Look, 
I don't want to say one hit wonder, but effectively, <laughs> I shoot vanilla ice does fit well into one hit wonder category. Oh, yes. um, must be rough when you're a one hit wonder and you effectively have to give all the money from that one hit to David Bowie, <laughs> you know, Freddie Mercury, oh, or is it Queen, and then a rapper who's claimed that you've stolen half the lyrics as well. I don't know. Sure, he made a lot of money out of yep. it. Sure. Well, he, he sold 15 million albums, so yes. there's only one song on that album that he has to, I guess, pay the royalties <laughs> to those other people. Yeah. The other, like that shitty sketch where he just goes, yo, vanilla or whatever. I think that's original, <laughs> so he gets to keep all the proceeds from that. So. Um, but yeah, it's been a quite a storied career. Mm. Um, who, who's the best? I mean, he's from Florida. Who is the best Floridian rapper? I think you can't go past Flo Rida, seeing as he's literally named after the state. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever been to Florida? I haven't, no, but I, I want to go just off the back of Flo Rida's career. I um, mean, I think I would be very disappointed if I got there, and it's not as I've been shown in the many documentaries about it, like Cocaine Cowboys, Miami Vice, Bad Boys Three. <laughs> like, if I didn't immediately get attacked by a cocaine crazed alligator oh. getting off the airport. And then, you know, you know, seduced into a seedy drug underbelly, you know, populated with bikini wearing bitches and, you know, yep. people exchanging suitcases full of white stuff. I mean, I would be, I would be going back to Webjet and demanding a refund. <laughs> I saying, Webjet, I want the money back. Going to the travel center pilot and saying, what the fuck's up with this? Hey, you flight know. center, I got off the plane. I didn't see Flo Rida down on a boulevard in Miami with rollerblades no. and really short <laughs> denim shorts going along while he had to sort of jump on his rollerblades over a crocodile <laughs> and a dude that looks exactly like Pitbulls tries to sell me <laughs> a key of cocaine out the back of, you know, like... Um, one of those sort of like a stretch Hummer or a something. A car like that. that's bouncing up and down <laughs> while he's trying to sell coke out of exactly. the back of it, which is inconvenient. But oh, anyway. it's 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 a nightmare. Absolutely right. That you know, powder just flies around. I guess it's not great to be in a bouncing car. But yeah, look, it's um, I think yeah, Flow Rider's a good choice. Um, you know, flat bottom jeans with the flare. Um, <laughs> she hit right. the floor. Shorty got low. That's um, probably you know low, I've got low, low, yes. I do have Shorty got low, low, low tattooed um, <laughs> down one side of my body, Tom. So you know how much of a Flow Rider fan I am. But yeah, so Flow Rider. I was hoping you'd say Vanilla Rice because we're talking about Vanilla, but that's that's okay. We we don't rehearse this time. I, it's to okay. be honest, I didn't know he was from Florida. You know, I, I just, think I thought I think he was he, the world's rapper. Dude. That's is, how I think he doesn't. He, no fixed address. I think he claims. To, I think he's probably he, he claims. I think to be from Florida. Ah, but okay. he might have moved. Sure. Later. But um, I do know Tom that um, you know, obviously you can't rap forever. Um, we've seen that whether you know with people no. like sort of whether you're um, you know, a Dr. Dre type character where you know you're in NWA and then you do stuff for Eminem and then then eventually you get into the headphones game. You sort of move on to that yes. sort of thing. Yes. Jay Z sort of very similar in a lot of different businesses. You know, owns part of the basketball team. You're an entrepreneur. And Villa Rice has done the same thing. You can't rap forever. He went on to do a home renovation reality show. So <laughs> right. just to show you can't rap forever. From but, you know, rapper to flipper. Yeah. So yeah, flipping houses, which is pretty good. Um, if you've not seen this show, it's called the Vanilla Rice Project. <laughs> he buys dog shit cheap rundown houses in Miami does them up and then flips them for profit. Um, and what I love about the show is that he brings in some of his old rapping days. So uh, sure. he'll be around the house and someone's like, oh, there's a hole in that wall there. What are we going to do? And then Vanilla Ice will go, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. 
which is a lyric sure. from Ice Ice Baby. Yep. And he says that probably three times every minute. So it's really good because you go, oh, that's right. That's a lyric from his song. So it's funny, Tom. It's entertaining. It keeps you guessing. What's he going to say next? Mm, that mm. one fucking line over and over again from the song. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's really great show. Um, and I think in much like the rapper entrepreneurs, as I said, Dr. Dre, Jay-Z, I think Villa Rice fits into that mold. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you know, he's a man who's going places. I think we've really only seen the first phase of his career. You know. Oh no doubt. Look, I I think that you know as he gets older, we'll probably see him in some more Hollywood films. I think it's only a matter of time. Um, I believe so, he's uh, headlined at the Gathering of the Juggalos a couple of times. You know, that's that very might good. be a start. I know he did half of one song on bloodhound gangs one fierce beer coaster album in the 90s or maybe 2000 ish (laughs) and he's played his cards well because if Mm. there's an early 90s rap revival he's there if there's a new metal revival he's there if there's there's a rap rock revival he's he's you know he was on the vanguard of all of these scenes tom and i think Mm. that he's just going to sort of he can just fit into... He's, he's a, if there's a Street Fighter movie revival, he could play Guile, possibly. Absolutely right, because we've seen his acting work um, in the film, um, you know, that he was in uh, Cold as Ice. Is that right, Tom? Is that what it was called? Uh, no, cool as cool Ice. Cool as Ice, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How could I forget? Cold as Ice is, of course, a great foreigner song, but yeah, Cool, <laughs> cool as Ice. Um, it's a cinematic masterpiece. It is, um, and that to me highlights um, the fact that when you're on the top of your game in, in the music industry, um, people will give you an opportunity to become an actor no matter what your ability True. as an actor. Um, he was pretty bad in this. Um, <laughs> to, to, to sell it, to I not overstate. No, he's good. He's I thought good. there was real romantic chemistry in his love scenes with a woman who's actually a professional actor. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I felt. I sort of felt that there was um, a connection there, which was good for her to sort I of be I particularly able to like act. it where she asks him where he's from, uh, you know, and he says, anywhere you're from, do where you're at. <laughs> so I thought from. it was a profound it's piece weird. of wisdom it is very profound I mean his lyrics are very profound if you've got a problem yeah I'll solve it check out the hook of my DJ revolves it which he will tell you in a reality TV show about home renovation every three minutes so that's good but um, this we have, we've talked about this briefly before the, the film itself um, great cinematography yeah it is this is, this is tr- if you want to see what at 90 minutes of the Love Shack or D-Light <laughs> film clip looks like then, yeah, it's this crazy technical uh, shit. It is quite pretty to look at, but, yep. yeah, it's just mental. And the, the outfits, like, it, he does not wear any less than 17 colours at once for the no. entire film. Like, you know, exactly. forget sunglasses at night. He's wearing those giant sort of cube-shaped yep. Terminator X goggles at night Absolutely. at all times for like, sure he's, the film st- the opening scene the, 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 the meet cute where he meets the girl uh, is he literally almost kills her mm. on purpose that's how he introduces himself to yeah, it's the way to go make make an impression Tom make a first mm. impression yep. you gotta first be memorable. degree murder yeah, first degree murder <laughs> impression make yourself remembered um, unless there's witnesses and then you don't want to be remembered but um and a lot of people say, if those that haven't seen the film, you might be thinking, like, I don't want to give too much away, but because, you know, spoiler alert, um, what, effectively, Vanilla Ice is driving a bike and it breaks down in a town mm. and that's effect, and then his bike has that's to get it. fixed. And you might be thinking, 
there's no way they can make that go for 90 minutes. And they prove you wrong. They can make it go for 90 minutes. Is it 90 quality minutes? It is. It's really good. What's he up to? He meets a girl. He's, then he's at the shop. Mm. I think he play like he reads. A, does he read? Does some reading? I think I he, he dances. Does he sing a song? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's good because I think what happened was he got this. They said, "Look, let's give you a vehicle. Let's give you an acting vehicle." Because they did see his work um, in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> two, The Secret of the Ooze. Um, Tom, I still don't know what The Secret of the Ooze is. I think. The ooze is what created the the uh, Ninja Turtles themselves. Mm, I think it so. may have contributed to Bebop and Rocksteady as well, perhaps. Absolutely, um, and to show, I, I think, I think Bill Rice played Crane. <laughs> the brain, yeah. The the brilliance of this is that obviously you're the hottest rap star in the world, and they say we want a song for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the secret of mm. the ooze. Um, you know, what do you got for me? And he said, "What's the film about? They're ninjas." Oh. And they're turtles. And he just goes, okay, how about this? Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go, go, go. (laughs) For about four minutes. That's all the song is. And they went, that's fucking genius. Let's keep Mm -hmm. that in. Um, Other producers or directors would have said, we want something better. But with (laughs) Vanilla Ice, you only get, you know, he won't give you more than, you know, he's a busy man. It's just like, whatever you've got. That's we'll right. take that. We will We will take whatever you've got because we can attach that name to the film, music by Vanilla Ice, and people will flock there. So, um, look, that's a great film. Both of those are great films. Um, do you have a lyrical spotlight? <laughs> There's oh, probably look, a lot here. I think everybody knows these lyrics. Like, it's yeah. two point. You yeah. know, like, I won't go into it too much. I almost forgot. I, I looked them up in preparation for this. I almost forgot that this wasn't actually about like him being good at dancing MC Hammer style, but it actually, half of it is about him getting into a gunfight yeah, exactly. so and I then think... running away. Did that happen? <laughs> I don't think Almost so. Almost certainly not. I think people On the other hand, see... NWA didn't murder 500 cops either, you know, and no. Tupac was middle class, so I guess a bit of public a poetic license is allowed, but still, like, you know... Yeah, I think he got a bit of shit because it sort of was about, you know, like, you know, pulling out the, you know, the gap and, you know, and the 5-0 coming up to get me sort of thing. <laughs> and, shots and people, off. yeah, but as you said, um, yeah, there is a long history of that. I mean, yeah, as you know, NWA, I guess, one of the first gangster rap artists and apart from... Eazy-E, who was literally, you know, a drug dealer to sort of raise the funds yeah. to provide the money for the band themselves. I think most of the other guys were sort of probably lived pretty, you know, not gangster-ish lives. Oh, I think, so. I mean, the lyrics represent a certain level oh, of yeah. fantasy element as well. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just... No, that, no. It's, it's things that they saw. They saw yeah. these things. And that was that album was three years ago, and I think three years later, some white guy trying to pretend that he was just in a gunfight down at the Esplanade yep. to try and give himself legitimacy in a song, which is just him dancing around. Oh, look, know, like, I've got no doubt that the members of NWA growing up in Compton probably saw some things or know oh, sure. someone that something happened. Vanilla Ice, I don't know so much. No, I'm not quite sure <laughs> whether he's ever seen a gun. I don't really know anything about that. Maybe in the film, was it? Was he acting in a film with a gun? Probably not, I don't know. But, um, yeah. The first line, I just always wondered. Yes. All right, stop, collaborate and listen. I just wondered, does he know what collaborate means? Because I don't think that's what he wants it to mean. I used to wonder if maybe he thought he meant corroborate, which makes not no sense either, but it makes as much sense as collaborate. 
Stop, collaborate, and listen. Who, he, he's not really—he's not collaborating with anyone. No, it's just him. He's so. talking to you. He just means stop and stop, listen. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Did he just need something with <laughs> yeah. collaborate four syllables? I think so. so yeah. And then he's back with a brand new invention. Brand new invention is a tautology. Yep. Um, and it's also, he's point. saying that he's back with something that's brand new. So he's returning with something. So it's actually an oxymoronic tautology, which is pretty impressive. It is. But I mean, if we go through the lyrics like this, we'll be here till the end of time. So exactly. This, this <laughs> let's just say it's a hours. dope jam and that he cooks MCs like a pound of bacon. I think we all know <laughs> that he does that. Cooking MCs like a pound of bacon is a great line. It makes no fucking sense, but I'm down with it. So I'm often telling sure. him cooking well, MCs. Let's collaborate and move on to the next Absolutely. song. Absolutely. So three weeks of that, that was good stuff. Um, 2.2 listeners, 2.2 million listeners on wow. Spotify. Still people listening. Oh, look, the new metal era, Tom, is fantastic. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, I found and, it a bit hard to swallow, but yeah. you know, that <laughs> might be just me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is hard to swallow <laughs> personally um, and then 15 cents for this on Discogs um, okay. probably on a Kasingle or something by this stage <laughs> I'm not 100% sure but um, I hope they didn't press too many of these on vinyl because I feel like um, I don't know that's probably bad for the environment <laughs> isn't it all that whatever they make LPs out of I don't think it's great um, anyway so moving on next um, 2nd of Feb so this is for two weeks this is an Australian one we didn't have a lot of Australian mm, ones last yes. week this is the Divinals I Touch Myself mm, yes um, not many hits about masturbation Tom there in the charts aren't. it's not you know there's a few there's yep. a handful yeah um, yeah I mean could could a dude get it I mean this is a, I mean number one song could a dude get away with it like if I release a song called Just Wankin would well, that, could I get that to number one on the charts? It's funny you or should say it... that because I do know that Kevin Bloody Wilson's greatest hits CD, 20 Years of Kev, uh, yep. does open with the track, I Gave Up Wankin, okay. bracket, karaoke edit, in bracket. Yeah. Um, so I can't tell whether that makes him progressively sex positive or masturbation negative, <laughs> but um, Kev was not afraid to. I think outside of Kev, I'm yep. not sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was an innovator and a pioneer in many a way. Um, so, yeah, was that... Yeah, but I think... This was a outside. surprisingly big hit for a song about uh, masturbation. Yeah, I, absolutely. I personally think it's a really good song. It is a good song, yeah. Yeah. I think that musically it's a very good song. I think, yeah, it is a good song. It's not... It's overall. very simple, yeah. but it's effective. It's very catchy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, it gets the point across. No, it's, it's delivered... Well, I think as well, mm. like sort of like she sort of has that sort of, I think it, yeah, in the wrong hands, it could come across. Yes. Bad, like she not. She pitches good. it just right. Yeah. She does. She yeah. kind of makes it sound sexy, but also not, not a bit campy and silly as well. Like if it was too, like if Madonna did this, it would sound ridiculous, like she, erotic yeah. or something like that. It would sound like the sex book. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we forgot to mention, Vanilla Ice did feature in the sexual. We have talked about that before. I'm sure that will come up again. Yeah, no doubt, point. no doubt. So yeah, absolutely. No, you're right. I think yeah, in a Madonna or like sort of another pop artist type scenario, this yes. could not. It might not quite work. And out, it's but, yeah. it's very simple too, as as stated. Like yeah, yeah. They were like an. If you don't know the Divinals, they're an Australian sort of pub rock band yep. who had. Some success. They yeah. had plenty of hits in Australia, and yeah, what did I think? 
Um, this this was their only number one, but they had um, Pleasure and Pain. It's a fine line between Pleasure and Pain, Tom, and that is also true. Um, So not only is it a song lyric, but also (laughs) accurate. And Uh, science fiction. Yes, in case you haven't noticed, there was a kind of sexual element to a lot of... Their their thing that set them apart was that they had a sexy lead singer, but she had this kind of edgy sort of... Not edgy, but kind of a slightly... I don't know how to describe it. A slightly darker sexiness to them that... Yeah... Uh, all the boys in town. That oh. was another yeah. one as well. But yeah, but I think with, this was a hit overseas too. Yeah. I think, or at least I know that it was. Um, you can, if you want to Google it, you can and see some peak nineties action. You can see uh, Google. I touch myself, Arsenio Hall, to see them doing this live on the Arsenio Hall, Hall show. <laughs> nice. And they also did a cover of uh, "Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore," which was the type the soundtrack main song from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie Fantastic. the original Buffy movie and that was that had its own video clip and stuff as well Very so nice. people they did have some uh, bit of overseas noise but yeah this was as good as big as they got like you say which is uh, yeah absolutely not bad for a song about no of know. course um, and the vocalist of the Diviners um, Chrissy Amphlett she passed away in 2013 yes sadly um, sadly yep she wasn't that old I don't think in no, her early 50s was, so yeah. that was that was sad but Melbourne honoured her with a street name there's a she has a there's, a, there's a lane yeah. in Melbourne in the CBD um, I think uh, if you're listening to this in Melbourne Top end of Burke Street, I think. Is that right? Yes, might be off Little that. Burke even. Yeah, off yeah, yeah, off there somewhere. So, Amphlet Lane. And some would say that's the uh, the highest honour the city of Melbourne can give you. It is Is that nice. a fair assessment? I know. I mean, I've walked past it. Every time you go past there, there's someone, you know, with a bouquet of flowers in one hand, just sort of mournfully flicking the bean with the other hand, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it doesn't get much more touching than that. In For the sure. in the rain, obviously, goes without saying that For sure. it's pouring with rain. But um yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um yeah, so you get you get a statue, some people, or if you're like a Bond Scott in Fremantle hmm. style, you get a statue, or you get if you're in Melbourne you get a street named a laneway. after you. Laneway named after you, which is which I think is pretty good. Yeah. Now, interestingly Tom, watching this music video, um, this is directed by Michael Bay. Hmm. Um, which really surprised me because I watched it back just this morning and I was sort of just doing the research for this. And, you know, it surprises me that it's by Michael Bay because um, in the directing seat because there were no explosions. Um, there were no people getting hosed down in a car wash, particularly Megan Fox. Um, no American patriotism, no military, no scantily clad cheeks, no dog shit jokes, no product placement, no car chases, no exploding boats, no racial stereotypes, no helicopters, <laughs> no slow motion, no shootouts, no 360 degree camera work, no angle, no low angle shots, sorry, and uh, no lens flares or American flags. What about Transformers? No Transformers, Transformers as well. No. Okay. So there was none of that in this. <laughs> So I went, wait a minute, wait, so Michael Bay did this, and I was like, That's what, nuts. it's like, where's Megan Fox getting hosed down, where's that, Well, it does a car wash? a sexy girl in it, I suppose, it does, maybe yeah. he had to make do with that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. This must have been close to the start of his career though, surely. Like, I think so, yeah. yeah. People probably saw this and just went... We, want, we, we need some more of that because so. I think Bad Boys was the one that really kicked him off I don't mm. think that was his first film but that was the one that made his name and that was only mid 90s so yeah this must have been maybe he, he's another guy that started out this yeah I mean obviously we're seeing the beginning of the era of directors who started out as um, 
yeah, absolutely. music video directors, but who, yeah, got to prominence by yeah. doing movies that look suspiciously like 90 minute long music videos. Definitely. I think it's interesting because, um, yeah, you don't realize that a lot of people, um, a lot, yeah, there was a period of time, I guess, early 90s and maybe even the, particularly in the 80s, where um, before directing a feature length film, you'd pump out half a dozen music videos. Mm. Um, so, which is good. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> so, if you can direct two minutes of someone just walking around, then yes. you're definitely prepared to direct 90 minutes of yeah. something good. So. Or if you can turn some shitty ass band into something that looks intriguing and fascinating you know yeah, yeah. but i guess it was either this or, or tv commercials though, i think as well true so, now that's true yeah you know you look at like you know like someone like ridley scott apparently like cranked out like just yeah, a shitload it of makes as much sense as that yeah. yeah and you're just like going well why not for sure but um yeah any lyrical highlights from this one they're very simple um yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's all pretty Obvious. I close my eyes and see before me. I would die if you were to ignore me. Uh, fool could see how much I adore you. Get down on my knees. I'd do anything for you. I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm sure she's. She might be talking about Jesus, possibly. You know. But, I think. Um, I think so. Uh, there was an interview at the time uh, when I remember this vaguely, and I believe that she claimed that this song wasn't really about masturbation, but was just about you know someone who makes you stop and think about them in a you know, in a sensual way, but um, that might be slightly more believable if the end of the song wasn't just her repeating the line, I touch myself 13 times in a row and saying, I honestly do yeah, exactly. through it as well. I, think. I mean, that sounds like I'm picking that number out of a hat, but I counted it. Just, yep. That is the end of the song. It's just, I touch myself 13 times in a row and a few I honestly do chucked in, just in case you thought she might have been kidding about it. But, I think um, well, yeah. she's reiterated that several times and also just to confirm that it's not a fictional scenario. Yes. So yes. Saying, I honestly do. The, the, the statement I've just made... This isn't is, metaphorical. No, it is true. It is literal and it is the truth. Um, there you go. I so, mean, mind you, I suppose you could say, by today's standards, oh, we thought this was subtlety, and we thought this was outrageous at the time, but it's qualified as subtle nowadays, but fucking, yeah. Oh, exactly, but, you know, we'll wait and see if Kevin Bloody Wilson comes back with some more <laughs> material later that people deem. I think this is as graphic as you need a song about wanking to be. Oh, exactly. Any right. more than this, it would seem childish. Let's it, would, it would seem childish, and you're not going to get it to number one if you just, no. you know, if you just do your... Starting to talk about fluids. Yeah, exactly right. So I think, you know, they did the right thing. They dialed it just to the right <laughs> amount. For 1991. For 1991, yeah, exactly Any right. more than this, and you would not have got talked about on Hey Hey It's Saturday. <laughs> and if you not. didn't get that Molly Meldrum bump, you know, you want, yeah, yeah, then people sure. wouldn't find out that you were... With a bullet or not. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. All right. Um, 700,000 people on Spotify. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. For an Australian-only band, really. Or exactly, largely. yeah. For sure. I think they're mostly known They've in Australia. They've still got some good songs. There, yeah. is a band, there was a band called The Preachers who came out in the 2010s who I really love. They're Australian and they sound very similar to the vinyls. They're excellent. I okay. Definitely recommend looking them up. It's spilt like creatures but with a P uh-huh. they only had two albums but they're very good there you anyway. go there's a tip from Tom check it out so yes. we're, we're not just talking about things from the past I, I thought it was cool present. that because they were younger than me this is like hip young 20 somethings and I yep. was I remember seeing them live and thinking oh wow these people are still being influenced by 
yeah. this era of pub rock. Like there are still people coming up who are really into this, and I'm glad. I'm glad someone's keeping it real. I think yeah, the day Australian pub rock dies would be quite sad. Yeah. I think there should always be some dudes, young people in a pub bashing it out. And then the thing is, <laughs> it's often just uh, not in a wanking sense. Sorry, Tom, I didn't mean that. I didn't. That was a hey, tribute. Tribute to the um, just playing the instruments because as we've seen from um, this song and past. Pub rock can go in a lot of different ways. You can start as the pub rock band and you can just keep mm. being hard pub rock or you can sort of go in like a sort of Diviners way. You can go in an in excess way where it gets a yep. bit more poppy and some more sort of synthy type stuff. So yeah, I think uh, you start off in the pub playing your instruments and then you, you do whatever you want to do yeah. after that. So I think that's good. Um, although live music at the moment, is does it still exist? I don't know. Hopefully soon. Yeah. I'm sure, I think it does in some capacity. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully at the Silver Dome. I can't wait to get back to the Silver Dome and see um, one quarter of um, the presidents the of the president United, States United States of America touring with one quarter of the remaining cranberries. To that'd be good. That'd be good. Absolutely. All right. Look forward Who to that. have we got next? Up next is um, for four weeks, a full month, sixteenth of February for a month. Is London Beat? I've been thinking about you. Mm. Mm. Now, this has been described, Tom, as a, quote, soulful dance singer. Would you agree? Does it have soul? Well, yeah. I mean, it's from the early dance era when you still had some real instruments, guitar solos, live harmonies and stuff. You know, now it's mostly just machines and DJs. But, um, yeah, I was listening to this and I thought, this sounds really similar to Fine Young Cannibals oh, from yeah. the last few weeks. And then it turns out that's probably because they did backing vocals for Good Thing oh. and a couple of other songs. So there is... It, but it does have that combination of interesting singing and sort of jangly... Does it have jangly of, guitars? Yeah, yeah for sure. Sort of, um, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there's some similarity. If you love Fine Young Cannibals in the past when we talked about them, then you'll want to check this well, out. Well, they're both so London then, too, I guess. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um... I love this music video, Tom. It has some of the best <laughs> slash most dog shit early nineties CGI. Imagine like imagine what yeah. CGI must have so you watch a movie today and everything looks real you're like, is that dragon real? And it's not real because it's a fucking dragon that doesn't exist. But you might be like, is that what's going on? Is that a real motorbike or is that a CGI motorbike? In nineteen ninety, let's just say it was very easy to tell whether something was real or CGI. Um, the technology was in its infancy and these guys look like they probably used the CGI to the absolute limits of what existed in 1991. There's like flying guitars spinning around. There's like music notes. There's like a Trojan horse that you sort of, you're not quite sure whether you sort of have to look at it really carefully, watch this a few times to see what's going on. But the CGI is fantastic. Watch it just for that. Um, Would you agree? Oh, I definitely would. I mean, it's a few years past your sort of the point where it was something that only dire straits could afford to do <laughs> yeah. money for nothing where it's basically just a series of cubes slowly <laughs> moving across a blank background yeah but yeah so it's obviously the point where someone like london beat who weren't that huge could afford to have a bit of it but it's also yeah very, almost touchingly primitive yeah provided you find things that look pretty bad touching 
Yeah, it's not when they try to do 3D graphics like polygons on the Super Nintendo. It's sort of, um, <laughs> you, yes. you appreciate what they're trying yes. to go for. You could, if you were, cha- you could charitably call these graphics Vaporwave if you're a millennial. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Possibly. The music isn't, but you no. could call the video the, the, those elements. I think you could take elements of this music video, yeah, and repurpose them for a Vaporwave uh, music <laughs> video, I think, certainly. So, look, it's good. It's got some sick four-part harmonies, as we yeah, know. Yeah, they can sing. They can actually yeah absolutely um look in 2003 london beat they so they released this back in 91 number one hit um i think they disbanded for a few years got back together in 2003 um signed to a german record label called coconut which you know you know one of the finest in the industry (laughs) or no coconut records out of germany if you don't do yourself a favor and get involved with that and they recorded an album called back to the high life I don't know why it was bad. Maybe they had something <laughs> called High Life before. I've got fucking no idea. But um, they did something that I love, Tom, and they re-recorded this song. Oh, I know you're um, a huge I'm fan. I'm a massive of the, fan of the that. The 2003 remix. I am. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of somebody realising that, you know, look, the well is dry creatively, <laughs> but we did something good in the past. Let's just bring it back and redo it again. Massive fan of that. As you know... Do you prefer when the band does it themselves or do you prefer it when a Belgian uh, EDM DJ does it for them? Oh, look, he decides I'll... that I've the well's dry at this end and that never had water in it in the first place. But perhaps if I pour a little bit of Don Henley in here, I can get some yeah. enough for a glass. Well, look, it's funny you mention that, Tom, because in 2019, London beat collaborated <laughs> with a German DJ, DJ Class, <laughs> of course they who do. remixed the number one hit, I've Been Thinking About You, and that reached uh, the top 10 on the Billboard dance charts. Well, so, I hope London Beat got some money. Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah. Look, to, to answer your question though, Tom, I like it when the band does it themselves. Yes. I like it when, uh, you know, a DJ out of, you know, usually Germany or the Netherlands or Belgium <laughs> does it as well. Um, I like it when someone does a terrible cover out of genre. I like it when someone does a terrible cover in genre. I think... The cover's always better than the original, whether that's by another artist or the actual artist doing it themselves. Um, look, I love movie remakes. I like mm. belated sequels. All of those things, Tom. You know, I'm not interested in new ideas or concepts. I don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff. If someone said to me, there's a great new film coming out, I said, is it a remake of something from 1986? And they say, no, I'm not interested. No. All I watch is Cobra Kai... And there's a Mighty Ducks TV show coming out of here. That's all I'm interested in. Oh, there's in. other things which I haven't even that are coming up this year. Exactly. As well. so, so, the new Say by the Bell, Tom. Anything that's new, I don't care about it. I, I don't like new ideas. I don't like original thinking. All I want is people to re-record their old songs or DJs mm. out of Scandinavia or no. other parts of Europe to I do them for you. them. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, other parts of Europe, yep. I've brought this up a few times so far. Uh, asking why bands on here have not entered Eurovision. Mm. Uh, in 1995, London Beat did enter. Oh. They entered the UK heats of Eurovision yep. with a song called I'm Just Your Puppet on a String, um, which is surprisingly good fun. I thought that was a cover of a terrible old song called I'm Just a Puppet on a String, yep. but it's not. It's kind of a weird sort of funk jam. With kind of, It doesn't sound much like this. This kind of sounds like a jangly sort of stoner early 90s dance thing but that this uh is a much more fun it's way more fun it sounds like a kind of 
pop in living colour weird sort yep. of with like distorted guitars and stuff and it's got this really wacky fun film clip and everything but yeah unfortunately they were soundly beaten in a public poll by a band called Love City Groove uh, um, no, who I'm were sorry. a fucking awful East 17 <laughs> knockoff that came 10th in the final contest uh, but no. man it just like oh you should see Love City Groove I'll check like, it out it's oh man I can't believe they lost to that it's the London Meat were way better than those dickheads, but yeah. Yeah, the thing about Eurovision time Sorry is I find anyone, no, any I, of your I, relatives I, are in Love City Groove, but they have not aged that. well. No, no. Look, I think about Eurovision, Tom, is that um, quality is often not a consideration, whether no. of a song or of, it's usually like some sort of novelty shit. Like, oh, do they have you know a piano accordion in it, or um, yes, are they doing something that's you know so on point? that people will like it, but literally 15 minutes after the performance, it will seem dated. I think that's sort of what Eurovision's all about. Yes. It's also about mixing, you know, 200 beat um, per minute with um, traditional instruments, I find. So like a pan pipe or yes. some sort of traditional Romanian flute with like a lot of techno behind, <laughs> techno it, yeah. behind it, I think. So yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, any hit lyrical highlights for this? Not really. I mean... Let me put it this way. Four of the 12 songs on this album have the word love in the title, and one of them is just called Crying in the Rain. Yeah. That should give you some idea what we're working with. The most interesting thing that I could even remember about this is that he says Chapow Pow a couple <laughs> of times. I don't know why, but that's literally... I thought, oh, that sounds like he's saying that, and I looked it written down, and it's like, yeah, no, that's what it says. Yeah, <laughs> that's what, I thought maybe it was some weirdly pronounced word or something. No, he's just saying Chapow Pow. Yeah, anyway... Um, how how are they doing these days? Nine hundred and fifty thousand listeners That's on Spotify. It's not too bad. Of not people. too bad considering I think these guys probably fit into one hit wonder territory, and I I don't think they were around for a super long period of no, time. They I have must a feeling. Have some fans in the UK though. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's more than Divinals, and Divinals had plenty of hits here. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and when I say not around for a long time, I think um, I mean on the charts because I've just quickly Googled them. They're still <laughs> present today. So yeah, well, you did say going. they did that remix. <laughs> they in, did, yeah. yeah so, so they obviously, I think, yeah, they must have. Yeah. So they would, they rocked it in the eighties and nineties, and then I think they had a bit of. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they released that, um, yep, yeah, some albums in the early 90s, and then there was a bit of a break for 10 years, and then they did that okay, back in the So high maybe life. they've got oh, some older fans that are still kicking. Yeah, exactly, which is, you know, what you want on Spotify old people that don't know about new technology or, <laughs> or music, so that's good. Um, sure. And you can pick this up for 37 cents off Discog, so that's, that's a deal. Maybe. I don't know. That's, that's probably a fair price, actually. I yeah, I'd say that's about fair. For sure. So four weeks for that one. Up next for one solitary week, one week only, 16th of March, um, The Simpsons Do the Bartman. <sighs> Fucking hell. I'm um, glad we've got rid of all these one-hit wonders and now we're into the serious stuff. Into the serious artists. Australia always taking credit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think this sort of shows the popularity of The Simpsons at its very conception. I think yes. this would have this is nineteen ninety one, so the show probably started around now ish. Is that right? A little bit before that, late eighties. I can't you, remember. Let me rack my brain for a sec. Yeah, if on. I had to, if I had yeah, to think in, about in Australia, it would have just started this this year or last year. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, as far as I recall, I, I know that The Simpsons would have been on in the US for a while, but I do remember that 
vaguely I was, I was a child but do remember that this song I think sort of came out around the same time the show was getting popular so yes. I think the yes. show was on TV people went that's fantastic love that song let's go out and buy enough for it to be number one for a week um, if you don't know do the Bart man it's um, <laughs> Bart Simpson of mm. the Simpsons who's created a dance called the, the Bart man mm. and um Oh, look, this is aged. I've, I've written in my notes, Tom, this is aged about as well as something, bracket, in think of something really shit, in bracket. So I, <laughs> I, I, I haven't done the re- I haven't done the work. I haven't done the extra bit. What you do is, usually I know people think of something, you go, oh, this is aged mm. about as well as, you know, vanilla rice or a craft single or, oh, or something like one. that. Or, yep. Uh, this is aged about as well as Bart versus the Suits Space Mutants on the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> <laughs> which was borderline unplayable at the time and is now just a relic of a distant past. Yeah. Absolutely. This is aged about as well as um, the Apu character, according to people these days, <laughs> because he's been cancelled purportedly, so I don't know. I haven't watched The Simpsons for a long time, but I, I did see that um, apparently people were outraged by that for um, you know for better or for worse, I'm not quite sure. But I've I got guess... another one, sorry. Yep. Uh, this is aged about as well as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the Nintendo entertainment system which was borderline unplayable at the time and is now looked upon as a relic of a distant past sorry I interrupted you for that that's fine that's absolutely fine um, look, the anime, the, the thing I notice now is people probably watch The Simpsons today and it looks pretty smooth and it's looked smooth for a while, but you look at this music video and it does look like it was um, animated by a North Korean child at gunpoint. Yeah. I think I've mentioned that about some other poor animation in the past, but this one really does look like it was animated mm. by someone in North Korea against their will. It's very shaky looking. It, it's like, it's sort of like, is this, was this really The Simpsons or is this like a no, knockoff Simpsons? It looked like that at the start. All these bloody people my age who, always go on about oh the first nine seasons of the simpsons were untouchable conveniently seem to forget that the first two seasons looked like complete dog shit every episode about was about how bart was a lovable scamp yep. and they still hadn't got the timing of the mouths and the jokes right so yep. everything is kind of stilted and awkward like this just to, to prove that i'm not completely making it up this video for this song was nominated at the MTV Awards for Best Visual Effects, which doesn't contain any visual effects, it's just animated. But apparently they, at the time, this animation was considered good. I mean, people knew what Walt Disney was and stuff, but I guess just the level of TV animation and stuff was, you know, just that this was good enough to qualify for that. Or people were so overcome by the novelty of doing a fully animated, hand-drawn music video for a fucking novelty song. I mean, even stuff that we've talked about in the past, like... Opposites attracted and stuff. It's not mm. fully animated. It's kind of you know partly animated. It's all sort of trickery and yeah. Absolutely. And look, no offence there to the people um, who actually did animate this um, in Budapest in Hungary. Um, <laughs> they were the real animators. I shouldn't. I don't want to criticise your work. I don't is really. That, true? that is true, Tom. I don't. I don't really know what animation quality is like in in Hungary. I don't want to <laughs> shit on your your animation skills at all. I just think that. Look, it's easy to say now, isn't it, that it looks terrible by 2021 standards. I think back then, 30 years ago, it was probably fine. So I think it was okay. So this came off the Simpsons album, um, Sing the Blues. They did release a full album. They did which, several which, which full featured, albums, yes. Um, this song, Deep, Deep Trouble, where Bart talks singing about how he's in deep <laughs> trouble. And then just a lot of like weird like shit, like covers of like soul songs yeah. and other bullshit. So it was sort of like a two original... Simpsons songs that I think people 
purportedly Michael Jackson wrote this song. Uh, or he at least produced it. Oh, he did backing vocals. He, he did, did backing, backing vocals, yeah. yeah. And he wrote, I think he wrote some of the lyrics. Okay, yep. He suggested the name. Okay. And he, uh, what did he do? Oh, yes. He, I think he's uncredited, but he, he insisted that uh, his name occur in the song, which uh, it does a couple of times in the I'm song. Bad like Michael Jackson. Yes, believe, and he so. like there's a mention of him in the video, I think, as well. But yeah, yep. that will also pop up again in the charts oh, no this doubt. year. <laughs> but um, yeah, like there was enough. There is, if you do actually want an album of Simpsons music, there's another one that's name escapes me, which has actually got all the good songs from the early seasons that's got Who Needs the Quickie Mart, the monorail song and okay. all those ones on it, but does not include Do the Bar Band. That's a shame. From the, yep. That's a shame. So look, a um, bit of trivia. I, you know, we don't... Do we do trivia on this? I'm not sure, Tom, we do now. <laughs> did you know, Tom, did you know... Sorry, Tom, I'll set this trivia a bit up. Did you know yep. that this was the first song to reach number one in Australia that wasn't released on a seven-inch single? Oh, okay. Was it... It was single, single, single only. only. Wow. And maybe maybe like a CD single or something, and maybe a twelve inch. But yep. no, so all the other number ones up to this point, they might you know they might wow. have only sold a few seven inches and predominantly yep. CD singles and singles. But this is the first song to reach number one. So this is the official end of the vinyl. I think era, so. I think or the the vinyl hiatus, yes. I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I think this spells the beginning of the hiatus where I think from from now so up to this point, yeah, seven inches were sold at the at the brushes. From now on, it's just going to be. Uh, singles and CD singles. From my memory, they the vinyl area had shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, and then it gradually appeared. Look, yeah, and I... while that is happening, at the same time now the CD bin, the CD area, which is for the rich people only, is gradually starting to yep. um, expand. Well, let's just say, Tom, I went into the the brashes um, in Launceston to get Yahoo Serious to sign a <laughs> Reckless Kelly poster. Um, <laughs> And this is the kind of thing we did in '91. Absolutely. So, yep. So, as I said, went into um, the Launceston. Yep. So, rec- lined up for a long time. Got him to do the Reckless Kelly poster. That was in 1993. So, only two years after this, and I can say it was devoid of seven-inch singles by this yep. stage. So, in two short years, there's no seven inches. It's just Yahoo Serious at the front signing Reckless Kelly posters. Um, a lot of CDs, a lot of singles, mm. and they probably had a VHS section, maybe, <laughs> of just Reckless Almost Kelly. Certainly, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, this is dog shit. I wouldn't bother. Oh. W- is it, does it have like a kitsch sort of novelty value that makes it worth checking out or, or not really? I don't think it really does. It's too... It's just from that bit of Simpsons that they try to sort of forget about. And like, for me, the funny thing is that this is exactly the sort of shit that the Simpsons would later go on to mock so effectively, especially I'm thinking of with the character of Poochie, <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is pretty close to what Bart was like at the beginning of, you know... It was like that for the first, the early bit of South Park where they did jokes about, oh, look at all this shit merchandise with South, you know, like, yeah. like yeah, you're also selling shit merchandise to children that's made in Korea. Like, exactly. you don't get a free pass just because you made a joke about it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing. People sort of, 
you know, there's so, the Simpsons merchandise that's out there. People might go, there's so much. But it, that's been the case since the absolute get-go. Oh, hell day yeah. One, no, they were just... selling out from the word dot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was so much shit. Um, I, I had a copy of the Simpsons Sing the Blues, and as an 11-year-old, I found it bitterly disappointing, Tom, mm, because, mm. you know, um, I think... I can't remember. Someone gave it to me as a present, I think. They knew that I liked <laughs> the Simpsons at the time. I went, do the Bartman, yeah, it's okay. Deep, deep trouble. Sure, it's fine. The other eight tracks are total garbage and I'll never <laughs> listen to this again. So it was awful. Don't buy it. Um, you can get a copy of this for 38 cents on the Discogs, mm-hmm. um, on a single, as I said, or a CD single, not a seven inch. If you're a vinyl nerd, you're going to have to look overseas for this one, I think, which will cost you a fair bit in import fees and shipping probably. Um, and 35,000 people listen to The Simpsons on Spotify, which is disturbing. But That's either more or less than I would have thought. Yeah, it's, pr- it's probably about right in the sense that this song would be on one of those, like, crap. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't believe the 90s playlists or something like yes. that. Or bullshit from the 90s yeah. playlists. Um, and as you mentioned, they've got all those other songs. So that, that might be the other album where people want to listen people to. People actually want to hear it. Yeah. So, yeah. We listened to that album a lot as teenagers when we would never have listened to this because it had like the fun, uh, the, the monorail song. <laughs> yeah, and this this is terrible. But um, yeah, so, but yeah, once again, shows the power of, I guess, getting a number one song out of a television show mm. at this stage. Um, so if you had a popular TV show, you could definitely get a number one. I think we'll touch on that a bit later <laughs> as well, Tom. Um, up next for two weeks, Dimples D, <laughs> Sucker DJ, bracket, a witch for love in bracket. Wow. You a big fan of Dimples D? <laughs> I had forgotten this one, but it all came rushing back for the obvious reason that I'll let you get to. <laughs> yeah, look, this is fantastic. I love Dimples D. I'm a big fan of Dimples D. Um, <laughs> this was recorded and released in 1983 to Zero Fanfare. No one gave a flying fuck about this. <laughs> and then a Dutch DJ, it's always someone from the Netherlands. Netherlands. I tell you what, isn't it? It's I reckon eighty percent of the time, it's someone from the Netherlands or Belgium. They it's it's the Low Countries. Is that mm. what they call them in Europe? I don't, I don't really know. But it's that sort of thing about dikes. Maybe the Flemish the Flemish people. I'm not quite sure. Um, but whatever it is, remix this in 1990. So we found this song from '83, mixed it, remixed it in 1990, threw in a sample from "I Dream of Genie," mm. um, which is even for me. As a child, I went, what the fuck is this? This feels like it's a million years old. So anyone listening to this now, that was a show. I don't know when that show was on. Like 70s? 50s and 60s. 50s and 60s. This is a bewitched era. Oh, okay. So there we go. So even at this stage, it's a 40-year-old TV show. So now it's like a TV show that was on 70 years ago. So yes, they did have TV back in those days. Um, And yeah, the song went to number one off the back of Mm. uh, Dutch DJ throwing in I Dream of Genie sample. It'd be the 60s, not the 50s. That's fine. It's a long long time ago anyway. So being a one-hit wonder is hard enough, but imagine being a one-hit wonder (laughs) for a song you recorded like a decade earlier. Can you imagine getting that phone call and someone's like, Sucker DJ's number one in Australia. I'm sure Dimples DJ's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's like, I recorded that eight years ago and she's like, some Dutch DJ has thrown in an I Dream of Genie sample on top of it and now it's the number one song in Australia. You'd have no idea what the fuck's going on. You'd have no idea what... And also, then they'd have to say, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm sorry, but... 97% 97% of the credit for this song should also go to Hugo Montenegro 
for the theme title Genie, which uh, he actually composed, which is one of the best TV themes ever made. Yes, very In my opinion, and almost everything in the song is a sample from something else, apart from Dimples D's... questionable rapping <laughs> but uh, Dimples yes. D may get more credit for this number one song than she deserves seeing I think everyone someone else did all the other stuff so yes that's what I'm thinking yep. you know um, I imagine you said her questionable rapping there must be some lyrical highlights here <laughs> um, I was at a jam the other night I was feeling real good so the feeling was right I came to the party for a different kind of action next thing I know I was doing a Michael Jackson <laughs> Uh, so, what is doing a Michael Jackson involved in this context? Uh, look, this is recorded in 83, so I assume that means a dance. Um, in 1991, it may have a very different meaning. Um, but I'm going to take Dimples D at face value here and suggest that she's talking about um, the prepared Michael Jackson in 83. So, mm. I just assume doing the Michael Jackson means doing like a moonwalk or some sort of like funny dance or something. The lean that he did in The Smooth Criminal. Um, and, and not molesting children, Tom. I am going to assume that's what she means. Yes, I'll give, I'll give her a pass. On I'll give her a pass. Female. I'll give her a pass. Yeah. Call that, you know, feminism, but uh, <laughs> sure, I am an ally. But yep. she also, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen this listed on Lyrics Genius as well as it's got the line, I'm five foot five, staying alive. In this world, Dimples D will sure enough survive with the rap dot 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 brackets unintelligible <laughs> brackets <laughs> I have never seen that on Red Lyrics Genius it's good before. to know that um, <laughs> the people at Lyrics Genius who have all the lyrics from all the songs have said nah don't know about so this so I one. fast forward to that bit in the song and it seems like she's just sort of going well to be creditable him and her I'm not saying she can't rhyme it's nah. possible that she knows what she's saying but unfortunately it, to me it was bracket unintelligible in bracket oh so, look this yeah. is 28 cents on Discog so if anyone has a copy at home and it has the lyrics on the back of it let me know because <laughs> well, I'll buy one myself just and so I have a personal record of those how lyrics. many people are still on the dimples 15k on Spotify um, I imagine D-D. most of them are on to this track but I don't really know because um, my recent Search, didn't really find any follow-up action um, at all. Like it was. Hey, she could a, have had an entire career in between doing this song and then this someone sticking "I Dream of Genie." Yeah, it. she might have retired from music and had a kid. That's know, true. That time. That's true. Like you look at her, her um, Wikipedia, and it's effectively "Sucker DJ" um, 1983, then 1990 "Sucker DJ" again, number one in Australia. Um, it's the only country I think it hit number one with as well. So we have a, a, a knack in Australia of loving these great songs. Um, and then two other singles after that that didn't do anything and then that was it. So, um, But look, power to her. I love the fact that um, she's a 90s one-hit wonder mm. with a song that she recorded in the 80s. So that's pretty good. Hey, at least that. she... I was going to say it wasn't off a TV show and then I remembered it was <laughs> off a TV show. Let's move quickly along because that's uh, just an accident waiting all right. to happen. Up next for one week, Julie Cruz falling. Holy shit, what a year for songs yes. in television We've shows. gone from movie songs in the 80s to TV yep. songs got, in the 90s. We've effectively got three in a row. We've got The Simpsons Do the Batman. We've got Dimple State, technically, because it's a Dream of Genie sample, and then this. Now, I think um, people in 2021 might not real. Do they realise how big of a deal Twin Peaks was at the time? Do well, they realise? it was recently redone as yep. equally unintelligible, equally incomprehensible HBO Thing that I kind of enjoyed, but yeah, it was fucking huge back then. Yep. It was yeah, it was critically adored, mm. and it was 
uh, talked about a lot culturally. Yep. I'm not sure how many people actually tuned in to watch it because it was difficult to watch. Yep. But, yeah. Did as a you kid, watch I, it? Yeah, I, no, I didn't. Um, did as, your parents? Um, I don't know if my... Mine I don't know if they didn't. did. Yeah, I don't think my mum probably would have been feeling this. Um, but certainly um, at the time, remember the there were just ads. It was just constantly Twin Peaks, what's yes. going on. It's like, oh, shit. And then I was, yeah, I mean, look, I was like 10 or something at this stage. So I think it's probably good I didn't watch it. I, I finally watched it, I think, when I was a teenager. Yeah. I remember, you know, probably going down to um, the Video City after seeing that um, <laughs> the, the song, the Fine Young Cannibal mm-hmm. song repurposed for the Good Times, Where Do You Go Video City ad. I probably went, wonder what they've got in stock, went down there. And you could get that, I think you could get like a, uh, a 20 VHS yes. box set yeah. of Twin Beats. This is what we had to do to rewatch so, it. I walk to a shop and buy a physical cubic three feet of VHS plastic to watch. I think it was about a metre long, Tom. It was very hard to get home. Two episodes. It wouldn't fit in the backpack. Yeah, exactly. So I think I finally watched it, yeah, probably when I was a teenager. So maybe 10 years after this, something like that. Mm. Um, And yeah, like, I think at the time when I first watched it, I'm glad I didn't watch it as a kid because I would have been like, what the living fuck is this? But um, obviously, you know, people sort of forget that these days all, well, most TV shows on Netflix and other streaming services, HBO, etc., um, they sort of have that series story arc or yes. what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and this is, and Twin Peaks is obviously one of the, well, I won't say the first show that did that, but certainly a popular one where someone's died and we're going to try and solve this over yes. the, the space of a whole series or two series mm. as opposed to just... Someone's been shot, and we'll wrap that up in forty-five minutes. Yes. Or there's been a yeah, someone's for my dealing. Advice, my, yeah. yeah. So every TV show back then seemed to be, oh, you know, even the hospital show. Someone's, you know, you know, had a heart attack, but don't worry, they'll be out by the end of the day, sort of thing. Um, and that sort of happened. But yeah, this was certainly one of the first shows that had the full couple of series, um, which people, I guess, was innovative at the time. But not only that, um, <laughs> it's it's. Bizarre that it was so popular because it does just include the complete batshitness of David Lynch, which means um, obviously anyone that's seen, you know, any David Lynch film will know that the storytelling, it's, it's not... Uh, conventional it's not conventional yes it can be difficult to follow but that's, you know, and obviously repeated watches um, is what you want. So I think you've got to remember that nowadays with Twin Peaks, if I watch the episode and go, what in the fuck was happening there? Yes. I can just watch it again. I can watch the whole or series back to you can go on Wikipedia and, and have yep. someone else explain it to you, yeah. including an interview with the director who's, you know, whatever clues he's laid down. And a, a yep. whole army of nerds will have picked up the breadcrumbs and joined them together exactly. and at least be competing theories about what's yep. going on. We had none of that shit. Yeah, pre-internet, it, was, it yes. would have been tough to follow this. Up. And also, the other thing that you got to remember is like, um, this was this was serialized, so it's one episode at a time. You could you could tape it yourself and rewatch it if you wanted. Yeah. But I mean, I remembered rewatching this a while back. I remember or some of it. I remembered how weird it was. But yep. what I forgot is how slow it was. Yeah. Like it is as slow as this song. That's why this song is so good. So it's such an it has it has amazing music. Like yep. and oh, it has it's a, a, it's a great song. It's a, got a great sense of mood. The show, but yep. it is incredibly slow, and it's also either accidentally or deliberately. I think deliberately, sort of fake and artificial looking a lot of the time. In that yep. a lot of the actors seem to have been hired because they're bad. 
Yeah. Or they just couldn't afford good ones. Yeah. Or they've been directed to act in a very soap opera-ish, yeah. daytime soap artificiality way. And so, yeah, you have people who are really quite good, like Kyle MacLachlan, and then mm. it'll cut to some scene that looks like a, some B-roll from General Hospital or the Young Doctors or something, you know, with two weird... You know, it's so... So it's not just mystifying, but it, the actual... Even the the, the 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 way it's delivering it seems to be designed to try and throw you off. And Absolutely. I think I think... A lot of the critical shine came off it after a while when people, the critics, realised that instead of this grand master plan, that a lot of it he was simply making up as he went along <laughs> to amuse, not to amuse, not as a prank, but yep. because that's how he works, that's how his brain seems to work, yep. and also that he didn't seem to have any real interest in solving the actual murder mystery no. and that might have just been the way he'd sold it to the network yep. and instead he was just <laughs> happy to abandon that yeah. basically I think um, that's, it's absolutely <laughs> and then fair. the critical reception started to scale off down into the <laughs> I think in David Lynch's eyes the, the crime would never be solved and that was the whole point no no he didn't and then when the network sort of, forced, sort of forced him yes. into solving it no one gave a flying fuck and about his, the show his, as I think his co-writer disagreed with him and yep. then they and then they ended up doing a prequel which was terrible and blah 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 yeah, and it took him 20 years to finally yeah I'm glad he got to redo his vision 25 years I mean, watching five. it all this time later you do just you just realise how singular his vision yep. is really like in case you'd forgotten it's like fucking hell I Absolutely. mean, you, you can argue that it's unintelligible. You can argue that it's completely self-indulgent, ridiculous. But it is undeniably just one person's yep. <laughs> vision. Up to, sorry, segue back to what we're supposed to be talking <laughs> about, the music of it, which he obviously took a personal hand in. Yeah, Because yeah. he's clearly a big music lover. Yep. And, yeah. This is a great song. I love this song. Mm. I think it's really good. Um, the, the theme itself is just the instrumental part so the theme song to Twin Peaks is just like a minute instrumental yeah. of this but the actual song itself is Julie Cruz singing it's a very good song I think it's sort of quite somber sets the mood for the show very well um, the, it's, the, the guitar tone I think it's tuned down a little bit which gives it sort of a bit of a gloomier yeah. sort of feel to it um, yeah it's, it's I think this is a, is a good song and it worked perfectly with the show and as you mentioned I think um, when Julie Cruz released, because she'd done some work with David Lynch before in some of his other films, um, I think Blue Velvet, perhaps, I think, yeah. um, sung a song on that. And um, when she finally released her debut album, which was called Floating Into the Night, mm. like a, I don't know, what, <laughs> it's probably some metaphor for some shit, I'm not sure. But yeah, David Lynch wrote all the lyrics mm. on, on that album. So um, yeah, so that was quite interesting. So he. Not only, um, you know, I guess uh, avant-garde director, <laughs> experimental director of TV and film, but also um, yeah. a lyricist. <laughs> and, you know, he's for sure. He's happy to try a lot of different things. He is, he's definitely. A, he's a real renaissance weirdo. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something controversial, Tom. I watched the, the most recent series of Twin Peaks, which was that 2019? Oh, yeah. Sorry, was that yes. 2019? A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Um, and I actually enjoy that a lot more than the OG. Me too. Me um, too. It's and, more condensed yep. and less... Yeah, I think because that sort of they had 
the story arc in place and it's pretty weird at times and it's sort of yeah. it still has some of that complete batshitness of it but also yeah Kyle McLaughlin's really good in this as well yeah um, and, and you know it's going it's somewhere, going somewhere even if you're not yep. going to know what it is whereas probably because I didn't watch it at the time as a kid I didn't watch it till about 10 years later and then yeah there was sort of the, the murder mystery and the wacky characters but then also yep. you're right the direct like it's sort of directionless when you sort of like yeah. in the sense that it's like it's because yeah very David, slow it's, it's quite slow and there was no intention of solving the the, the mystery which is fine I think that's sort of you know how yeah. it should have worked but have you watched that six hour YouTube video where the dude explains what Twin Peaks is about <laughs> no um, if I was going to do that I could just watch the HBO <laughs> one again and probably have a stab at it myself it was very interesting I watched I did watch it okay. in like like I'd watch fifteen minutes and then yep. I'd be on the I'd be on the train to work and I'd watch like ten more minutes. So it took me a long time to watch, like six hours. I think it went for about that, but oh, it was okay. quite interesting. He sort of made the point that he thinks it yes. effectively t- Twin Peaks. The people acting in the show yep. know that they're acting in a television show, so that uh, sort of okay. brings in some of your sort of like oh, weird, shitty badness yeah. of the acting or whatever, and sort of and other various things. And it's sort of like it's an interesting take, but at the same time, no one has six hours to do that. So <laughs> that was when I was commuting to work. Now that I'm working from home, I don't have six hours to watch anything, Tom. I'm a, I am a huge fan of uh, Mulholland Falls. Drive. Drive, yep. sorry. Not Mulholland Falls is a terrible <laughs> film. Uh, Mulholland Drive. But yeah, which I, which is very much more literal by the standards of his films, which oh, is yep. to say it's still weird as shit, but yep. it, it makes a much more straightforward sense. But Than, say, a race ahead or something? Or? I mean, it's a, like most of the movie is a dream, mm. but it's a very... It, as 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 metaphors by David Lynch's standards go, it's a fairly straightforward metaphor. Like it parallels what yep. she's, so it does make sense in that in that sense. And I really enjoy that. I, yeah, I have definitely. To say, like, I mean, there's a fair chance you could watch some like a lot of David Lynch's films. You got no idea what the fuck's going on. Well, something life. like Lost Highway. Yep. I was completely lost. There was a David Foster Wallace. Uh, essay where he tries to explain what he thinks it's about yep. and describes going on. I think he was on set once or something like that and he yeah so he tries to talk about it but yeah that's a tough one and as a lot of his others I'm just completely lost but yeah. yeah. So anyway power to Julie Cruz you got a number mm. one hit out of this um, recorded sort of album sporadically over the yeah. years I think 250,000 listeners on Spotify a dollar six for this any lyrical highlights? Not really. It's very minimal per yep. the song. Like the song sounds like my. If you haven't heard it, it sounds like My Bloody Valentine or something. It's it's rad. It's it's just yeah. And the lyrics are sort of very similar as equally sort of simplistic. It's just things like Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? It's just this kind of wispy sort of lyrics but yeah I mean he really he must be a music fan I noticed that even in the new um, one the new season he would have that little space bit at the end near the credits where he would often just shoehorn in a musical performance at that bar (laughs) in the town that had nothing to do with it it was just like he just like oh I heard this Nine Inch Nails song that I really liked could you just play that (laughs) or some other band that I heard I think think he stole that from the OC Tom Um, (laughs) I believe they used to do that in that TV show possibly the young ones yeah exactly for sure Sure. or um, California Dreams (laughs) when um, the the California Dreams would play a song in every episode (laughs) Surf Dudes with Attitude kind of groovy Mm, Um, yeah 
Um, speaking of kind of groovy, who's up next? Oh, uh, Tom, um, for three oh. weeks, uh, Roxette Joyride. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Um, look, I'm a big fan. You know, look, we've, we've talked about it. Well, we have. We've talked about that for sure. So um, I'm not wearing my Roxette t-shirt tonight, Tom. Um, I should be. <laughs> if I had it known, I would have put it on. Um, look, this one is a big hit off their album, Joyride. The same, the title track off that. Per wrote this song for his girlfriend. Apparently, he oh. came home one day. She'd left a note on his piano that said, um, "Hej din tok, Jan Askla dig." Um, <laughs> any anyone listening from Sweden, um, apologies for that. I'm not good at accents or speaking in foreign languages, um, which means "Hello, you fool! I love you." Uh, Pearl said, "Fucking a! I can dovetail that into a chorus, <laughs> and boom, off we go." Um, so, how many times have you tried the pickup line "Hello, you fool! I love you"? Have you tried that out before? Only the once. Yep. Then there was the lawsuit, and <laughs> I'm not allowed within a hundred yards of that nightclub anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> is it the saloon in Launceston? I hope so. <laughs> For sure. I mean, we've all been at the saloon and approached someone and said, hello, fool, I love you. Um, if this song is playing, that is apt. People will <laughs> laugh with you. But if you just say it to someone um, when this song isn't on, um, they won't really enjoy it. Um, this song has whistling in it. Mm, and it does. it's sick. I think whistling in a song is awesome. Um, case in point, this... Um, centerfold by the um, oh, yes, my angel is a centerfold. Um, there's whistling that love is a battlefield. Patience by Guns and yep. Roses. There's a lot of whistling in that. Um, we've talked about walk like an Egyptian. We yep. talked about how that was done by a fucking robot. robot so it's whistle. fake whistling. Um, and of course, winds of change mm. um, by the Scorpions. <laughs> but there's an exception to every rule, and here that exception is moves like Jagger by Maroon Five. Oh. Um, that's got whistling in it and that's fucking awful so but yeah so this has got whistling in it this is pretty good Um, this album itself has a lot of hits on it Um, The Big L The Big Love Spending My Time Fading Like a Flower ah of course yes Um, that was a big hit here too yeah absolutely for sure so unfortunately it doesn't have um, the Hurricane Katrina remix of of It Must Have Been Love which is one of my favourite songs Tom where uh, I think probably a Dutch DJ took the classic song It Must Have Been Love um, remixed it with just samples of people crying because they've lost their homes in Hurricane Katrina and dubbed it a Hurricane Katrina remix um yeah, it tugs at the heartstrings, but for all the wrong reasons, I don't know about that. So, look, um, is there space for a personal anecdote, Tom? Yeah, please. So, um, I rode in to Launceston's premier radio station, 7LA, as a child. <laughs> better hits, no better racing. Better hits, no racing. Today's hits, yesterday's classics. Exactly right. Um, you'd write three songs on the back of an envelope with your telephone number, mm-hmm. and they would phone you up. Dur- oh. They'd play your song. No, sorry, you would play. They'd play the song. So yep. they'd pull you out. They'd go, Ben, Ben, I've got your envelope, um, and then they'd play. You know, um, for me, it probably would have been um, Guns and Roses. Um, you could be mine from Terminator Two: Judgment Day. <laughs> Not on seven away. No, <laughs> so maybe they played something else. Probably Brian Adams, um, something like that. So they played that, and then they'd say, Ben, you know, you got two more songs, and if you phoned up during the course ah. of your triple play, yeah. Um, Brian Adams probably this song Joyride um, and so, I don't know what else um, probably Wilson Phillips <laughs> I'm not really sure Sonia Dada Sonia Dada something like that you phone up you win so I phoned up got in there I was a winner I got a voucher from Wheels in the Quadrant 
sure. um, which is we talk a lot about, of course, um, the Brashes, which is an Australian-wide chain. But in Launceston, we also had uh, Wheels in the Quadrant. So I went in there with my $20 voucher and I was like, great, you can get whatever you want. I didn't know Sport for Choice. Um, <laughs> went to, I, I was playing cricket um, at the time. I was in probably grade seven. My coach was in grade 10, a few years older. I said, oh, look, I've won this 7LA voucher. He said, you go, what should I get? He said, you go in, pick yourself up a copy of Metallica Master of Puppets. <laughs> I went, all right. Wow. He That's said, a get, good recommendation. Get, it's a good recommendation. Go and get Master of Puppets. You won't regret it. Um, I went in, I picked up a copy of Roxette Joyride um, <laughs> on cassette. Um, went back and he said, did you get Master of Puppets? I said, no, I picked up a copy of Roxette Joyride. And mm. he said, quote, that's fucking gay, end quote. Oh, of course. Um, it was 1991, um, <laughs> so don't try and cancel us. I'm. I, that's no. a quote that I'm saying. That's not me saying that. Um, but look, I don't regret the decision, It's amazing Tom. that you're telling me that anecdote because I was in uh, high school at this almost this exact same time. I remember uh, a guy transferred from a different school and in classic American uh, high school movie... Uh, Tradition. There were all sorts of rumors about him. You know, yep. there was rumors that he'd beaten up someone, one of his teachers at another school, and he was this real tough guy and stuff. So when we were in the showers getting changed, rather than the cool kids who at my school all listened to Metallica and wore Metallica pass head t shirts twenty four seven under their <laughs> uniforms, you know, like Superman, so they could rip them off <laughs> at any time, um, and wore them for PE, physical education stuff, of course. He was in the change rooms and rather than either being on the cool kids or getting mercilessly teased like all of us other dickheads who weren't allowed to wear Metallica t-shirts even if we wanted to to fit in because yep. they would have known that we were posers who did not deserve to wear those shirts. Yep. Um, he was tentatively approached by one of the cool kids to see whether he fitted it, which, which group he fitted into. And they said to him, uh, do you like Metallica? Because that was the surest way to tell. And he said, no, I think they're a bunch of poofs. And they said, oh, he was slightly taken aback and said, what do you like then? He said, Roxette. And just walked off. And again, like that's... That's, that's so just... sick. That's the best response. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I mean, that that's the kind of thing you can pull off if you've got a certain level of confidence. I think so. And again, don't don't cancel us. That's just how everybody talked at high school. Absolutely. In fact, and that Tom was probably said, a light, Tom was lightweight the... version of what was actually And you were doing said. the quotation signs when you said that. It's not us saying that. It's other people in the past. So don't get angry with that. Um, but yeah, so it looks like... Um, so the 90s explained there were two camps. The Metallica camp and the Roxette camp, effectively. You're in one of <laughs> those my two. my high school. It's, and it sounds like my high school as well. You're either into Metallica or you're into Roxette. And look, at the time, Roxette... Um, look, I still think they're the better band so I admire your uh, integrity in getting the one that you actually wanted even though you knew that at some point that guy was going to ask which one you bought exactly. and you were going to have to either pretend to know the lyrics to uh, <laughs> yeah. Master of Puppets or, Master which you would have been quizzed on yeah. in depth you know or yeah. oh exactly right look and I think um, in hindsight I made the right choice because Every kid, when they get a bit older, probably gets handed a copy of a Metallica cassette, um, which I did, you know, later on in life. Sure. Um, and yeah, look, certainly probably wasn't ready for it at that stage. I was ready for Hello, no. Fool, I Love You, Come On, Join the Joyride. <laughs> Not at the age um, of 11. No, nah, and uh, yeah, exactly right. So yeah, I mean, obviously a power move would have 
been to go and get like morbid angel blessings <laughs> the sick or something like that and just like being this is way tougher than Metallica yeah, what's but this I, I didn't Metallica shit? I didn't really know that at the time so alas there you go um so 8.5 mil on the Spotify they've got a lot of listeners but they do have a lot of hits um I assume most people are listening to Joyride um the Hurricane Katrina remix um of the other mm. song I talked about <laughs> must have been love and um Almost Unreal from Super Mario Brothers that we talked about, I think, in previous weeks. Great <laughs> Formerly song. Formerly Hocus Pocus. Formerly Hocus Pocus, exactly. And 38 cents you can pick this up for on Discogs. Okay. Oh, That's a pretty a sweet deal. Still listening, yeah. That's a lot, Good yeah, stuff. for sure. Um, so, obviously, only one half of Rockset is with us today. Um, yeah, Marie passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, Purse still, still rocking out. So, I hope that he... Um, is still performing and still playing these classic songs um, for sure. So it's yeah. good. Good times. Um, we'll probably talk about them again some other time, no doubt. Have you got any magic lyrics for us? Well, this doesn't <laughs> quite live up to um, what was there. <laughs> One, she's got the look, which yeah. theoretically was filler lyrics, but I'm thinking, yeah. Walking but, like a man, hitting like a hammer. I mean, mm, that's good. This still brings that uh, English second language magic a bit uh, there's a few moments she has a train going downtown she's got a club on the moon and she's telling all her secrets in a wonderful balloon yep you know I mean that I guess that could happen except for maybe the club on the moon part but still it's good she might own a train and she might own a hot air balloon yeah absolutely look I think yeah. doing nitrous in a balloon possibly she's definitely doing nitrous in a balloon exactly it <laughs> but explains the club hey, on the moon look, part it's fun I like this song too who doesn't want to get on the joyride absolutely right um, for sure so Purr's shredding it on the guitar there's whistling it's all good everything about oh, it's pretty fun also, the video clip's 80s by Ramstein that's got whistling in it that's a good oh, song oh yeah too. yeah it does that's true I'm liking your whistling um, yeah the whistling theory is good um, the, there's an exception to every rule mm. I think it's the exception that makes the rule as they say and it is a, um, this video clip features just a car I think there's a car driving around a lot and mm. they float flying in the air a bit there's a lot of like sort of um, <laughs> like primitive green screen type scenario mm. happening but um they're rocking. Um, Purr's sort of got, I think, a semi. He never really had a mullet, but it's sort of like pretty out there. Yeah. Um, and Marie with her typical short hair. It's all, um, look, yeah, go check this music video out. You won't be disappointed. Um, and the Joyride itself, um, just the whole album front to back, is probably, it's actually, <laughs> there's probably some shitters on there, to be fair. So, but um, there's some big hits on there. I, Let's say it's great. It is great. I think it's got like 16 songs, which is probably too many. Like You've got to cut it off at about yeah. 10. So that's probably why there's a bit of filler on there. But hey, alas, all good times. Um, so coming up next, May 4 for two weeks, um, Ratcat. Tingles EP. This is another Australian one. We don't have a lot of Australian ones. No. Um, last week we didn't, but we do here. Um, rat cat. Is it a rat? Is it a cat? People are confused. Are you confused? Yes. Well, unless they were imagining a sort of horrific cat dog situation. Yeah. You know, a bit ahead of their time. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. That's true. So look, this is um, an EP. We fall into this situation occasionally where the EP hits ah, the yes. charts. Um, the, but the lead single off this EP is um, a song called That Ain't Bad. And um, I'm going on a limb, Tom. I'm calling it now. This is the best song of this year <laughs> in this list. And I'm only saying that because not, not a lot of people maybe know Rat Cat. Um, it's sort of, it's like for the time, it's sort of, this song is yeah. a bit dark. I'd say it it's is. power pop-ish. It's pretty good. I think it's great. Um, it's features a music video 
um, with a young Naomi Watts. Yeah, there's two versions there's, and yes. there's one, but she's really in it for maybe 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But still, you know, she's just uh, trilfing down a dart at a fun fair. She is, uh, yeah. With some big looking blokes who are trying to hit on her. Lead singer shows up, she goes off with him. One guy looks a bit jealous. That's it. That's the full extent of her involvement. But, Absolutely. Um, so yeah. if you enjoyed Naomi Watts in the um, the Twin Peaks uh, new series, then <laughs> oh, that's check, right. her, check her out in this. You will enjoy her in this as well. Um, She's one of our finest. So I think Rat Cat, we've talked about this before, they fit into that unfortunate category where um, I think timing is everything in yes. music, Tom. Yeah. And they were, they had sort of escaped the like they obviously weren't any sort of glam or hair no. or anything like that they'd got that you listen to this song that basically like got rid of all the 80s yeah. sort of cliches and baggage and they were moving into a new territory which could have seen them being quite a big band yes. in Australia this EP um According. Sold seventy thousand copies. It was big though. So it was they pretty big. Um, so yeah, I mean, they could have gone huge. It's just unfortunate that twelve months later, people only wanted dudes wearing cardigans, yeah. being really depressed and being like. Rrr. Well, according to an Australian musician magazine staff writer um, at the time, Ratcat were the first alternative band to go mainstream. Sorry, mm. looking back. Yep. And they do like this. Really does have a sort of like you say. It's got a kind of. Ramones-ish punk edge. There's nothing mm. glam about it. And the production actually sounds kind of grungy. It like does, it's got yeah. sort of crunchy sort of... It, it really does sound a little bit ahead of its time, at least at the time. Maybe this was the sound that people were actually listening to in... Uh, not uh, like pubs and alternative bars around Melbourne at the time yep. or wherever, but it certainly was not on the radio in 1991. And like, yeah, like, frankly, it's listening back to it now, it's way better than I remembered. Yep. Like, yeah. I think it holds up better than almost all the songs. Um, well, actually, well, maybe. No, on this list. On this list. I would say that one. this is the most predictive of what is about to happen yep. on this out of this whole year like you know yeah exactly if you don't know this go listen to it now I think it's pretty good um, yeah and as Tom said yeah it's sort of a sign of, sign of, yeah, sign of thing yeah it's, yeah the EP I can't I don't know whether I know or I, I don't think I'll probably never listen to the whole EP front to back but there's a, I think there's this song and another one that I know or yeah. another one or two but yep yeah, so they had a few they, they got played on the radio for years afterwards you know yep. they, they hung around for a bit but yeah they never quite they never got overseas and they never quite hit it yeah. massive I just think that Unfortunately, um, yeah. Once we're talking in the next couple of years, everyone just wanted to be Nirvana or Pearl Jam or Stone Temple Pilots yes. or those sorts of bands. And the style of music these guys were playing, which was not—it was a bit more fun, I think, than probably what those well, bands were doing. Well, it was what would go on to become alternative, exactly. which is kind of lo-fi. Yep. You know, weirdly, punk pop. Weirdly, which, they almost sound like a band from the late nineties. Yes, I that's think. what I mean. Yeah. In the, sort of in the yep. follow up grunge. Post, thing. yeah, like and yeah. not calling them post grunge because certainly they came before that. But yeah, certainly it has the sound of it. I could see myself going to the uni bar in like nineteen ninety nine, yeah, probably and seeing a band that sounds like this that were probably heavily They'd be influenced called by the Rats bands. or something, <laughs> yeah, and then would. you'd go, yeah, and it'd be like grunge tinged punk pop stuff and yeah but with catchy retro sort of yep. riffs and stuff yeah no. absolutely and they all they rocked a lot of leather jackets from what I remember they did again yep. they got like their outfits look 
like timeless. You could yep. wear this in a club now and it would look fine. Yep. Blood, horizontal striped shirts Absolutely. under leather jackets, sunglasses, dark hair, like dark, short, scruffy punk hair. Yeah. Yep. So now this is good. Um, highly recommend this one. Um, 60,000 listeners on Spotify. Get come on! If you listen to this podcast, go listen to it. Let's get up to a hundred thousand. That's my that's sure. my aim. If I I want to check this list in a couple of months and see that Rat Cat are at eight point four million, and it's like, well, people have been listening to this podcast. Thank you. Two dollars sixty nine. It's a full EP. Sounds expensive, you know. Sure, <laughs> compared to do the Bartman, which is like thirty cents. But this has got yeah, got like five EP, songs on it, so sure. getting more stuff. Absolutely. Um, anything else for me? Uh, not really, no. The lyrics are pretty basic. Yep, you seemed alright to me. That ain't bad. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it was uh, a whole uh, EP, yeah, so... Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's good. So, um, so look, we're backing it up. One-two punch with Australian artists. Um, next up in May for another two weeks, Daryl Braithwaite, The Horses. Ah, uh, yes. Now, Tom, is irony dead? <laughs> Is that what, too difficult a question? To now, right now. Now, no, no. Is only a dead scene because I don't know if if people enjoy this song. Young people today, do <laughs> oh, they like this song legitimately? Do yeah. they like it ironically, <laughs> or have they merged into some sort of scenario where if you enjoy something, you just enjoy it, whether you think that it's objectively terrible? Or of quality? I think a lot of the time that the irony masks an actual enjoyment of the thing. Yeah. Or that people listen to something or take part in something so many times, ironically, that they come to actually enjoy it unironically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Which can be good or it can be bad. Sometimes that results in white people calling each other homeboy and inward yeah. because they just did it so many times that they stopped hearing what it sounds like coming out of their mouth and now it just turns into something that they say. That's true. Yeah, so you've <laughs> got to watch yourself. But it can also have positive things like people listen to Daryl Braithwaite who is a 1970s era yep. Aussie rocker who sort of matured into this kind of dad rock yeah. sort of acoustic-y, strummy type of stuff but then he kept on having hits because he's a pretty good songwriter absolutely although this is a cover isn't yeah it? that's right tom this is a cover um weirdly it's a cover of a song that came out in like 1990 so, ah, it's like a year so, so it's like i'm <laughs> gonna cover that immediately cover thing, yeah. um covered it was a song written by ricky lee jones um mm-hmm. And it's a song of love and commitment where she anticipates the challenges of her daughter um, will face. And her, so Ricky Lee Jones, who wrote the song, said that she personally, when she was younger, was a wild one. And ah, she's yes. worried that her daughter might be the same. And here I was, Tom, thinking it was just about a song <laughs> about riding a fucking horse. I was wrong. It has nothing to do with horses. I don't even know. The, the title makes no sense. Nothing to do with horses whatsoever. Who knows? But... Look, Tom, I think it's an interesting point um, about this being a cover because apparently um, in 2020, so last year, someone on The Voice, one of those dog shit talent shows that I've got no time for, um, sung this song and they they went on and performed the song and went, oh, here's a Daryl Braithwaite song I'm going to perform and then I think people actually said, oh... That's it's a cover, a cover, yep. And a lot of young people who <laughs> have grown up loving this song, either as I said, ironically or seriously, or it doesn't matter anymore. The same yep. thing. I'm told. I think Daryl Braithwaite gets a lot of play with like 23 year olds at like music festivals who just want to hear this song. Which <laughs> yeah, is, no, I've seen bizarre. it happen. I've, yeah, yeah, exactly. So apparently, people. 
didn't know it was a cover. They were angry. They were, they were <laughs> frustrated. Betrayed. They felt betrayed. You know, the whole nation had a meltdown of people under a certain age. People suggested that they don't believe in anything anymore, that the fabric of a nation was unraveling. How do you feel, Tom? Or you, <laughs> you just always knew it was a cover? No, I didn't until no. uh, doing this. Yep. I had to look it up. But, um, yeah, like I listened to the original. I mean, yeah, like... Props to Daryl, though. I will say, like you say, it's not very long between the original no. and the cover. But, like, Ricky Lee Jones is not the most well-known That's musician true. over here. Yep. Um, this wasn't even a single from her album, which is not even one of her bigger albums. Yep. And it's a much sort of less energetic version. It's more... It, it sounds more like what it is. It sounds more like a kind of touching thing from a mother to her... Her, her, her young daughter yep. whereas the Daryl version has a kind of love song like a kind of fun sunny love song vibe which is what I always thought it was and until I horse. read that there's a horse horse yeah it's all beaches and horses and beautiful people running around and yeah but you know credit to him like the Daryl cover version went eight times platinum in Australia as of 2020 so he knew his audience and as you say like you can play this in an Aussie beer garden at 5pm on a Sunday in summer and you're suddenly going to have a lot of trouble hearing orders at the bar and it won't just be the old cunts. Like, everybody knows this song. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, he, he really made something out of it. And it follows your rule, you know. As you say, the cover is always... Better Absolutely right, it does. It <laughs> so. does. Um, and look, Tom, I think... This podcast, we, we tend to, to stray away from the big ideas, but I've got one for you now, and I hope that you'll entertain that. Um, <laughs> sure. Look, Australia Day is something that fills a lot of people with anxiety. We've talked about this mm. before, I think. Um, Celebrate 88, our 88 special. <laughs> if people can think back three weeks ago, we did a very thorough 88 bicentennial give us a chance to celebrate um sort of special and in that we talked about sort of the anxieties that people have about australia day about the history about how it's sort of you know as as particularly white people growing up in this country um knowing that you know we've displaced i guess to, to the majority of the extent the original um you know I guess, caretakers of the land, the indigenous people of Australia that have lived here for 60,000 years plus. And a lot of people are thinking, look, we do we need to change the date? And we've mm. talked about this before. Do we need a date that all of Australia can enjoy? And the, the problem with that is, I guess, that people often discuss, you know, when should we change this to? It's not just as simple as saying, well, let's get rid of the 26th of Australia. We need to choose a day that's something that indigenous Australians, I think white Australians, um, you know, any, everyone, other immigrants to Australia, mm. whether it, whether you've been in Australia, you know, as a family group for hundreds of years or whether you've just immigrated here, you know, in the last few years and consider yourself, you know, to be an Australian. We need a day that I think is for everyone, effectively. I think, you know, that's not something that you can disagree with. And Tom, fortunately this year, um, on the 28th of January 2001, um, 30 years of the horses coming out and Daryl Braithwaite's record company announced it to be Daryl Braith Day. Oh, well, that's good. It's good to have something to... And I, to. and I think it's not too much of a stretch to think that Australia Day should be discontinued on the 26th of January and we can just use Daryl Braith Day on the 28th of January as the new Australia Day. I think everyone loves the horses. It doesn't matter where you're from, whether you're an Indigenous Australian, white Australian, whether you're someone that's migrated here from a long time ago or recently. I think everyone can get behind this song and say, let's celebrate Australia Day 
on Daryl Braith Day, on the 28th of January, we only have to shift it two days. So, you know, you can still have your enjoyment of a summer Australia Day holiday mm. with the horses and Daryl Braithwaite. What do you think? I think it's great. And, yeah, look, it also takes place conveniently in one summer, which is handy. And I think, we, you know, if anybody uh, was caught celebrating Australia Day on its traditional day... You could, uh, you would be permitted to walk up to them in the park and scream in their face, "How's that? You messed about! I called you out." <laughs> Indeed, which was famously <laughs> more of his lyrics. Another song that he wrote at some point back when he was still wearing three foot wide bell bottoms and a collar that, if you turned around too quickly, could decapitate someone standing next to you. But yeah, absolutely. So look, I one think... summer is the song that I always get confused with this because the video clip is almost identical and it's a similar jangly guitar song. That was another big hit of his that came around this time. But well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing with that one, yeah, they're they're both beat. They're both on the beach. I think this one is just on the beach with a horse. And the I other think one maybe is on the beach with a shack. Recently, yeah. <laughs> when this came out, and he was real happy about it. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if they were filmed at exactly the same time. So <laughs> it feels like sort of back to back. Um, so yeah, look, if anyone from the Australian federal government is listening and you're thinking about changing the date, please consider um, Daryl Braith Darryl Day. Day. I think that's perfect. Twenty. We only have to make it the twenty eighth of January we have to shift it two days I think all Australians can enjoy that and yes, we're good to go Daryl so, Braith Day absolutely that's what I'm doing next year for sure um, any lyrical highlights for this not really no it, this makes way more sense now that I know that it's about uh, a parent talking about a daughter yep. then yeah it's slightly odd that the central metaphor and the lyrics involve both birds that can fly and horses that can also fly Yep. You know, you'd think you could have picked one flying animal, but hey, it's 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 pretty. It's it's a nice idea. Absolutely. It's basically just saying, look, when you grow up, you're gonna fuck up because I did, and but if you fall over, I'll pick you up again. You know, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, great metaphor. Um, I was driving past a church and I heard this song blaring out of the <laughs> church. Tom, um, I thought someone's chosen that as their wedding song. Fantastic. Yeah. Then I saw a hearse pull up and went, that's not as good. But look, alas, <laughs> Isn't um, that true? it's a true story. It's a true story. A lot of people gathered outside. I went, this is a lovely wedding song, but no, it was well, a Well, I would much rather hear this than fucking wind beneath my yeah, wings. I think, so. I think this, it just shows the versatility of the song, though. I think it if does. this was played at your wedding, you're happy. Played at a funeral. Yeah, people are also down with it. So I think it works sure. in any setting. Mm. Um, birthday parties, probably. Um, I don't know, other stuff. Bar mitzvahs, I'm not quite sure. I don't know, but I'll find out. Um, Daryl Braithwaite. Um, I'm looking at my phone, Tom, because usually... Uh, look, I don't want to pull the curtain back on this <laughs> podcast, but what happens is usually before we do this, I go onto Spotify oh, and I okay. see what the, all the numbers are. Um, but apparently this week I got halfway through and forgot to do the rest. <laughs> so I'm looking at my phone in live time, but Daryl Braithwaite has uh, 960,000 monthly yeah, Spotify Yeah, that's pretty listeners. good for an Aussie. Absolutely. Who was not huge overseas. I'm a million monthly listeners. That shows that people, as you say, young people are yep. listening to it. Young still. people, because yeah, most yeah, old people still have this on the, on the single, on the yes. seven inch. When they want to listen to the horses, they just throw that on. But um, young people are jumping onto Spotify. Speaking of which, a um, dollar forty 
Yeah, not uh, bad. Which is one of the higher ones, I think. Yeah, um, no, they probably wouldn't have printed that many no, of these. exactly like, right. It's um, a cover of a song no one had fucking heard of by a guy whose hit main popularity was, you know, 20 years hence. Exactly right. So that's all good. Um, all right, great. Two weeks of that. Up next, Ratcat. Back again. They're back. <laughs> Don't go now. Um, not so Ratcat double up with another number one hit. Not bad. Um, this, this one... Wasn't on that other EP we talked about before. I no, think this so is it's like legit. They've had two number one hits within the space of a couple of months. That's yep. pretty. So good. this this is off. Um, I what I think also was catchy. A, as fuck it's too. very catchy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so this is off their I think their first album I believe. Um, but yeah, so that this one's pretty good as well. Um, so yeah, I think they've got two hits this year. Both of them good. Mm. I definitely check this out. Um, look. Uh, this was performed on Hey Hey It's Saturday so you know it's good Um, they don't just let anyone on that show once again I have to should I bother explaining Hey Hey It's Saturday to I don't think it's worth doing Um, if you live in Australia you probably know what it is if you don't live in Australia it's a variety show where there'll be some dog shit comedy followed by someone juggle yeah (laughs) it was on most in the 80s I think from the 70s through to the 90s it was on for like 30 years or something yeah it's crazy Um, someone juggling yeah yeah, exactly there'll be a juggler then there'll be like someone um, doing a song shitty talent contest usually a song interestingly the music component was probably the best part of it because you get rat cat on here um, with this song, which is pretty good. Um, I think Tis are more than once, There's, which seems pretty the weird. Is, I've heard comedians talk about this too, like people who were sort of alternative young comedians at the time. Yep. They said, look, yeah, kind of, we would try and we would fight to get on Hey Hey because there really wasn't any other national yeah. TV thing that would have comedians on it. You know, like you go on Kerry Ann Kenley midday show or whatever, but you're not going to be able to do any, you know, any. Any dodgy yeah. jokes or no. anything like that. So yeah, so musicians and stuff, and then they would have international acts for the same reason. Because when people came over, were touring from overseas, they would say, "All right, well, what should we perform on?" And like, there really isn't any other national platform for them to be on. And weirdly, there still isn't now. In fact, there's less stuff now. Yeah. Like in Australia now, we don't have any equivalent of Graham Norton or even like Rove Live, where yeah. touring acts or people who want to um, you know, like touring comedians or local people who are trying to get bigger exposure can go on. And we also don't have our own late night chat show equivalents either. We don't have any Letterman, Conan type things where they have, they just need one band per yeah. episode, five nights a week just to fill time. So, you know, like when, you know, when Art of Seduction are touring, like where are you going yeah, to go to showcase exactly, your exactly performance? Right, like, for sure. like which TV show are you going to Oh, there's something on C31, I think, Tom, that's probably the, the sort of, um, that's <laughs> our... Local TV, yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing. that's the local TV. There's still, there'll be someone <laughs> Trying to there find the next on. Wayne's World Absolutely. to appear on. You <laughs> Absolutely know? right. Um, music video to this is fun as well. I think there's a lot of leather jackets as well and stripy tops. Um, yeah. I think is this is one's the video clip that has like the animation, animated like rat cat I think rat cat yes. have like a low like a symbol like of a they rat had, that's a cat that flashes yeah, up so they had good branding they had they sort did. of tat 
tat style branding with you know they like did. flaming hearts and logos the rat cat sort of logo and kind of that sort of rockabilly stuff yes. but with also of what was to come so they were either i think yeah their image some people might say oh they're, they're just rebranding some of the stuff from the past but that's what everyone does all the yes, time yes and this, some of that shit never goes out of fashion so it never looks dated unlike everything yeah. else on this fucking list <laughs> exactly <laughs> plus also i think the musical styling they're not so much draw pulling from the past as much as I would have thought. Like I think this hmm. is certainly sort of a bit more of a. The, for me, this song and the past song is, yeah, as you've said before, a sign of what's to come more than just like oh, this is just a rehash yeah. of the past. So, yes. um, yeah. So another good Rat Cat song. We talked about Spotify listens before, and a dollar seventy six on the Discogs to pick hmm. up that single. So fantastic. So two songs. In the one uh, year, well done, Ratcat. Yeah. Good on you. Um, coming up next for five weeks yep. um, is Olivia Newton-John, eighth of and eighth uh, of June, and uh, John Travolta, oh. a double team for the Grease Mega Mix. What a double team! That's fantastic. Now, who the fuck decided to release a Mega Mix consisting of the three songs from a twelve-year-old film? I'm in suspecting not, like, it was Jive Bunny. That's <laughs> the only fucking kid. Like, who the fuck said, remember that film that came out in 1979? <laughs> let's do a re, let's, let's put together three of the songs and release it now as a single. It's effectively like me saying now, um, remember that Adam Sandler film where he was a hairdresser? <laughs> Why don't we get a mega mix of three of the songs from Don't Mess With The Zohan? Not to mention the fact that the entire Grease phenomena was already built on 20-year-old boomer nostalgia for the fucking 50s yep. when it came out in the 70s. Yeah. And just in case you're thinking, well, fortunately that won't happen now because they're all going to be in fucking nursing homes shortly. Yeah. There's... I'll, there's another one speaking of what you were saying 10 minutes ago there's a Grease prequel movie in the works Fucking and a nice. big budget HBO Grease TV show Is currently it? in production yes I think that was one of the ones got that got paused for 2020 oh, okay <laughs> so there's a there's a prequel film and a yes okay. two separate that's good that's good and let's yeah and we've already we already had a belated sequel in Greece too, I believe oh yes is, yeah don't forget that not to mention the many many endless iterations of the stage show that have been going since fucking 1971 <laughs> or whenever the original came out yeah that's exactly. the thing This the movie came out in I think it was 78 but that was a the film version of the musical, which was seventy one. Yep. I think you know, which was based on people's recollection of their childhoods. You know, like, oh my god. Yeah. Look, it begs the question: How do things get to this point where they're so popular, despite the fact that they're so they're no longer of relevance to anyone alive? You know. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's like it. I do often think about these things where sort of now it's just like, oh well. Yeah, we're doing this now because remember how popular that song was 20 years ago in mm. that film before that. But originally, like, who just went, we need to make a major motion picture out of this musical with some dudes just dancing around and <laughs> in a car. There's a bit about a car in it and something Presumably else. Presumably someone who uh, wanted a giant sack of money. Yeah, I'd say I so. Think. They were like, I need something to prop my feet up on in front of the TV. Perhaps yeah. a huge bag yeah. stuffed with money would yeah. do it. For sure. Now, look, um, and looking at this song itself, um, it is just three songs from Grease mixed together. Um, Olivia Newton-John, she's a legit singer. You know, I'll, I'll give her that. Um, mm -hmm. She She's had hits previously to this 
Um, I think that date back prior to the commencing of this podcast <laughs> before She's had Adrian. It's previews to physical Greece mega mix, but in Greece the movie yep. in '78, she'd only been in like one or two other things. She was an unknown for yes, that. Yes, true. So it's sort of that's right. So, so that at, made yep. her. But yes, She's, you're right. There's a big gap between yep. that and this. It's a so, decade between these two. So she's Australia's darling, of course. We do love Olivia Newton-John. Yes. Um, but look, I'm not going to lie, Tom. This might be a controversial opinion, <laughs> and, I, and I hope that I'm not offending anyone by saying this, but I think John Travolta is a significantly better actor than he is singer. Mm. Is that... I, I don't want to overstep yeah. the mark and say anything I shouldn't, but I'll put it out there. <laughs> um, look, I, I just think the proof's in the pudding. We've seen it time and time again, whether he's in Look Who's Talking... Look Who's Talking 2, Look Who's Talking Now, um, <laughs> Battlefield Earth, The Punisher, um, that Pitbull music video, Three to Tango, or more recently the uh, Fred Durst directed film The Fanatic. <laughs> I think you look at that body of work and mm. then you listen to him singing in this and you do realise that he is a better actor than singer. Is that a yes. fair assessment? I think and not, don't forget Welcome Back, Cotter, of course. Not only is that a fair assessment, but I would, per Clive James, go even further and say that uh, his dancing makes his acting look very ordinary. <laughs> yes, his real talent was in uh, doing some disco moves because he's undeniably a red dancer. But yeah. oh, no doubt. No I doubt. haven't seen his performance in the Fanatic, but I'm I'm assuming it's not as good as uh, his ability to fucking do the bus stop. Absolutely, yeah. And look, Tom, I don't watch films anymore. I just usually watch the the, the trailers on YouTube, <laughs> and I can usually draw out in my mind what the rest of the ninety minutes will be like. And having watched the two minutes of the trailer for this for the fanatic it looks very very good so i think he was good how in that. do you think it would compare to some of his previous hits oh look i think it's pretty good compared to obviously those look who's talking films um and look i've called out <laughs> battlefield earth and look i've taken it and you know it's because people like to laugh at that because it's so shit let's <laughs> shit on this film oh it's so bad and it look it's not a great film admittedly is it like Tom we've all seen Battlefield Earth that's not very good and you know but people like to shit on Scientology don't they in general we go ha ha oh look it's a cold it's completely crazy but you know to me it just looks like a lot of people having a bit of fun doesn't it it just mm. looks like a fun situation people getting together having a bit of a laugh and look we live in a world where people think that you know COVID-19 was fake so Bill Gates could uh, insert a microchip into our nose and 5G's being rolled out as a form of mind control so mm. when you look at that <laughs> Scientology doesn't seem so crazy anymore does it <laughs> I think Scientology seems bang on when you think about it um, people well, are just yeah. that's true I mean Scientologists have yet to try and stage a fascist coup to take over the western world uh, because yeah. uh, absolutely I think their core tenants man child can... told them to like you yeah know, oh exactly at they... least they were just directed to give him all their money yes which Trump supporters also did as well but yeah exactly by exactly. the standards of the modern world you're right Scientology doesn't seem that weird anymore, if L. Ron really. Hubbard just wanted to get on a ship and scam <laughs> some people out of cash I can get behind that that's fine and then you just make up some alien stuff and it's okay but look for me look the core tenants aren't that nuts um, you know people mm. sort of believe in all kinds of weird shit these days I think it's just a bit of a laugh he was having a bit of a laugh just got out of yeah. hand um, <laughs> and plus I did read an article once about how as part of a Scientology convention um, John Travolta rented out an entire KFC for lunch so I can get I behind that I heard that story yes I can get behind that without, some... without any warning he just rocked up at a yep. place once and walked in and said can I hire this entire KFC so look, <laughs> I think honestly Tom you know and you know if I was going a lot this is, it's funny like where I am where we are right now this, the Melbourne home of Scientology 
It's just a couple of kilometres away. Yeah, we, we could just walk up there. The we could walk there now. <laughs> in like fifteen minutes if we wanted to. And I think if I walked past and the guy said, "Come and check out," you know, "Hey, mate, look, I know you might not be into this, but come and check it out for a bit." John Travolta's here. We're going to go rent out a KFC <laughs> in Flemington and get the whole thing, and you can have like a bucket, you know, hot and spicy, wicked wings, whatever you want. I'd give it a go. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd do give it, it a go. I'd be prepared to do a reading, you know. Oh, absolutely to, right. To get my um, my what is it called? Oh, your thetans out. Get, get my thetans you got to go If clear. there was a 21-piece bucket on the table between us, I'd grab the paddles, sure. Oh, absolutely <laughs> you right. You can ask me as many questions if you like if you don't want me talking with my mouth full For sure. Look, chicken. I think it's completely fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I'm tired of people shitting on Scientology because <laughs> it is just some some guys having fun. Elron Hubbard seemed like a good guy. Tom Cruise, <laughs> we love all of his films, don't we? I love John Travolta in this as well. Yeah. Um, the, he also the, once famously ripped off a Satanist and stole his girlfriend, which I always thought was kind of cool. Did he? Just That's like good. to imagine a Scientologist at home, just with his hands on his hips, going, "Fucking hell!" Some of these people, <laughs> you just you invite them into your house, and they just, you know, <laughs> God, absolutely. So yeah. Anyway, um, look, I don't want to bring this up, but I think I sort of need to. I think that the grease mega mix is. Problematic, Tom. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And that's something that people don't like to talk Gonna about. Have to. Yeah, cancel that. Look, I do hear that in one of... I, I don't know whether this is a fact, but um, I did hear that once upon a time, um, being two years ago, um, I think because, as you've said, this is still a musical that goes on now, doesn't it? You oh, know, yeah. They still do yeah, this shit everywhere. And there. I do believe that someone said, hold on one second, we might have to change <laughs> some of the lyrics to one of the songs that features in the musical and, of course, the Grease Megamix. Summer because Nights. Summer Nights, it. yeah. Um, so if you don't know the Grease Megamix, it's the three songs it's comprised of, uh, You're the One That I Want, um, Grease Lightning and Summer Nights. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the three songs that they seamlessly meld together <laughs> I'm not sure whether Jive Bunny was involved, but it certainly has that smooth transition between songs that he enjoyed. Sort of like, <laughs> I think it does a bit of a goop, grease, goop, 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 yes. grease, lightning. It's very dream, sophisticated. Dream, yeah, dream. So I think, yeah, Jive Bunny loved that sort of grip, goop, 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 Like he did that <laughs> perfectly. Very, very good. Um, anyway, uh, one of the lyrics is, um, they're, they're talking about when the two characters in the film meet, I think, for the first mm. time. And then the lyrics of the song are, tell me more, tell me more, was it love at first sight? Tell me more, tell me more, did she put up a fight? Mm. Now, <laughs> I don't know whether that still plays, does it? Is, is that okay? Is that okay? So it's all right. Hey. So it's effectively, <laughs> was she fighting you off? <laughs> Um, in your moves to sort of win her affection. <laughs> yeah, yep. And if so, um, did you continue to proceed with your advances? It's definitely authentic 1950s sexual politics. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. think I don't think that flies these days, but look... Um, Grease Lightning, which is a song about a car, that's also fine. contains lyrics such as, with new pistons, plugs and shocks, I can get off my rocks. You know that I ain't bragging, she's a real pussy wagon. <laughs> The entire song is just about how his car is going to make chicks cream in their underpants. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, yeah. So it's, look, yeah, it's good. It's um, it's good. I don't know. Whether it's a great it's wedding song, which is, is where you'll song. find it being played to this day. Exactly right. Exactly. So I'm not quite sure um, whether look. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to this much. I'll, I'll be fair to you <laughs> Please now. Don't. Um. So interestingly, though, on Spotify, um. So, Olivia Newton-John, yep. 6.3 million. Fucking hell. That is way more than I would have thought. Absolutely. But I sort of um, 
Young Expect people that. do not listen to him. No, no. But John Travolta's got um, 4.6 million. Good. Um, which is surprising. <laughs> I mean... I didn't realise he did so much music, but I think he, he must have done some songs from Saturday Night Fever, did he? And people love the sort of... Um, oh, yeah, Saturday Night I think Fever. He, did, he was I, in Hairspray. Yep. Although I'm not sure if that counts for the purposes of Spotify. So I think he's done more music than I'm familiar with because... Um, I'm more confused by Olivia Newton-John, frankly. Who the yep. fuck is still listening to Olivia Newton-John? Yeah. Apart from physical and the Grease music, it can't just be from Grease, could it? No, it actually, potentially um, could be just from Greece, maybe. Xanadu? Xanadu, yeah. I don't think people listened to Xanadu even at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure. So, yeah, anyway, so that's a lot for, for I th- a lot more than um, I would have thought for both of those, to be fair. So, yeah. I don't know, but I'm particularly surprised by, um, yeah, John yeah, Travolta. No, this so. is, the Grease Megamix remains one of the biggest selling albums of all time like it's up there with real albums like the greatest hits of the eagles and fucking thriller and stuff yeah not 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 on that level but it's on the same page like in term, yeah in terms of the biggest selling in terms of biggest selling yeah. al- well, like, al- like yeah. just sitting yep. albums like it's it's crazy yeah people love that it still is like yeah so so power to those guys for doing that you can pick up the single for 44 cents though so do that um but make sure you only listen to one third of it because the other two thirds um <laughs> being it, uh, being cancelled so there you go um, good time so yeah five weeks for that that's a long time for that five perfect um, so coming up next Tom 20th of July for two weeks is Melissa Read My Lips <laughs> mm. this one wow this is a good one this is one of my favourites um, of the year look Melissa um, Melissa um, do you, is her last name pronounced to counts or is the T is it more of a counts? I Melissa honestly don't know. I always thought it was to counts, but who knows? That's what I think as well. So Melissa to counts. If you don't know Melissa, look, um, she was uh, she was a model when she was a teenager. She she apparently by the age of sixteen she'd been in over hundred and fifty TV and print ads for like oh, okay. modeling and various yes. things so she'd done a lot of that sort of stuff she's very attractive um, yep she's very attractive so she did that then she did some acting she had a few bit parts in shows like Home and Away of course um, some of those other I think like Police Rescue or something like that then she got a big break on E Street yes which if a lot of people <laughs> might not know E Street it's kind of like it's, it's it's like Home and Away and Neighbours. So it's basically a soap opera, but yeah. it was on um, two times a week in the night time. It was a bit darker, I think, a bit grittier to begin with. And then yeah. as time went on, it got <laughs> a bit poppier and softer. And then it had like a serial killer yeah, bit it, in it. It, had a, it underwent the sort of Baywatch <laughs> Night syndrome when yeah. ratings dropped and the writers who knew everything was coming to an end just went batshit nuts with a character called Mr. Bad, who was a face-painted serial killer who looks like he was lying under a car that had the transmission drained. But, so, uh, there was that. Yeah. And the storyline after that, Tom, the werewolf storyline they did for sure, a Sure, yes, years, I forgot right? about the werewolf. Um, so yeah. anyway, so yeah, it's basically like a sort of a, a nighttime twice a week soap where Soapy yeah went through yep. various things. But anyway, so as I mentioned, yeah, so got her role on on E Street, which sort of I, I guess projected it to national fame. And then after that, um, she launched a music career, um, and effectively as I think they as they always do. So the thing about E Street is that they had a lot of pop music in there, and um, they they introduced that in a way that sort of was enabling them to launch artists I guess so Mm. in the show Melissa 
um, had a dream sequence where she was a pop star. <laughs> of course she did. So she had a dream, oh, what would it be like to be a pop star? And then I think she sung the song Read My Lips in the show. <laughs> and then they were able to sort of spin that off into an actual single and career sure. and for her. So that's sort of how it worked. Perfect marketing because you get to advertise the song on the show. Mm. And then when people listen to the song, the, the song, you get to remember she's on the show. So it's a bit sure. of uh, two-way marketing, good stuff. <laughs> Um, so that was fantastic. You've got to remember as well, she's just performing under the name Melissa. So she's done the Madonna thing where it's just like, you know, Melissa to counts. Like Madonna, what, Ciccone? People like, Ciccone's not a good last name. Madonna just went, I'm just axing that off, just going, I'm just Madonna. Mm. I'm just Melissa. Works for her, I think. So anyway, pretty good. Um, in 1991, readers of TV hits voted her the hottest woman on earth. Is that a fair assessment? Well, for the 14-year-old readers of TV hits, yes, I'm sure that's pretty much dead Yeah, on. absolutely. And look, I think, you know, we've talked about, if you, if you don't know the song, check it out. I think it's sort of, musically, it's just sort of, um, it's got that sort of early 90s, it's a bit 80s-ish as well. It almost has that sort of Stock Aitken and Waterman sort of yeah. like low production values, but it's a it's an upbeat dance pop song, so I think sort of people mm. quite like that. Um, but look, I think the best way to understand Melissa was all about in terms of her life, her philosophy, general personality is through the lyrics of this song. Tom, <laughs> I know that the lyrical spotlight highlights I'm is usually your point guess. of view, but look, I've sort of, um, you know, I've taken a bit of time to look at this, so if it's okay, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind what tackling is? that and you can have a look at some of the other stuff that <laughs> I tackle like stupid facts and bullshit like that that no one cares about. But I think, Tom... The beauty of this song is the lyrics. Um, it starts off with, uh, don't look at me that way if you won't go all the way. Don't look at me that way. So straight off the bat, you know, do not make eye contact with Melissa unless you're prepared to fuck her. Mm. I think that's basically what she's saying. Sure. You know, do not look at me that way if you won't go all the way. Would make public transport slightly difficult. Oh, but it yeah. would, absolutely. I mean, at least she's laying it out there. You She's know where you stand with Melissa. Yes. You've always known where you stand with that. So um, if you want to waste time and get me right off, you might. Like she sort of talks about, um, sorry, where are we up to? Uh, if you want to wait till later, hands <laughs> off my detonator. That's just before the chorus, I think. She hits that to you. You're just like going, wait a minute. If you want to wait till later, hands off my detonator. Now, Tom, look, I've had a look at a lot of lyric sites. I've had a look at some of those things where they explain what the song is about. Mm -hmm. um, I've gone onto Reddit, various forums, all over the internet to try and figure out, because I assume that Melissa didn't have any act. She wasn't in the Australian Navy. She didn't have access to any actual detonator or rockets, mm -hmm. any sort of nuclear code. So I assume that um, the detonator is is probably a metaphor for something. Looked at all these sites to try and figure out what it was. And look, I know this is a family show and people listening to this, it's for all ages. And I don't like to use this terminology, but I think for want for a better term, I think that by detonator, Melissa's saying she's uh, referring to her clitoris. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I think it's the only logical conclusion you could draw. Yeah, I think it is. And look, you might be thinking, look, that's crass, that's you know, not a very nice topic for a song to talk about, about, you know, keeping, you know, your hands off Melissa's clip. But I think what you've got to understand here is that you've got to look at Melissa's career, okay? As we talked about before, she's a model since she's 16. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, 150 ads, you know, by the in print and, you know, obviously on television. She's a singer. Um, she's an actress. She's exceptionally busy. She's she's mm. she's working twelve hour days. Probably, I imagine she's up at six a.m. She's working right through twelve hour days to do yep. this stuff. She doesn't have a lot of spare time, so when she finally meets someone, you know, 
they're, they're hanging out, she meets someone she quite likes, they exchange numbers, they go on a date, things get intimate, it gets to a certain situation. Um, someone has their hand on her detonator and then they look at her and they say, I want to wait until later. That must be incredibly frustrating for <laughs> Melissa. Incredibly frustrating. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. It has to be. I mean, you've got to remember she's working 14 to 16 hour days, six, seven days a week. You know, she's a singer, she's an actress. She has no free time. Mm. So it gets to that point. Um, and look, I can only understand her frustrations. You've got to remember this is in a time before Twitter, before social media, before those things. I think today, Tom, she can just jump onto Twitter. She can type out, you know, don't look at me that way if you won't go all the way. You tweet. There you go. It's out there into into the world. You know, sure, if you want to wait till later. Profile. Exactly on your Tinder profile. If you want to wait till later, hands off my detonator tweet. Hit it out there. All of her followers, the whole world knows BuzzFeed will make a fucking article about Melissa said, don't, you know, hands off my detonator if you want to later. <laughs> the whole world knows, guys out there know, do not put your hand anywhere near or on Melissa's detonator <laughs> if you want to wait until later. The world knows that. Melissa didn't have that option. The only thing she could do and power to her was to write a song, said, let's get this song to number one on the charts with the lyrics in there. Then everyone that will hear this on the radio, it'll be out there. We'll get probably performing on Hey Hey at Saturday, out there in the ether. People will hear this song and they will know to not put your hands on Melissa's detonator if you want to wait until later. And I think it was a success. It went to number one. Everyone knows that. I don't know Melissa's current husband. I don't know her previous boyfriends. But I think if you asked them and said... Were you aware of the fact when you met Melissa to not put your hands on her detonator if you wanted to wait till later? I think every single one of them would say yes. Mm. Agreed? Yes. The so, fact that I can still remember that 30 exactly. years later, definitely. It serves its purpose. So I think <laughs> yes. the song set out to what it achieved. You know, it made sure that no one was going near her detonator if they wanted to wait until later. Fantastic. The only problem I have with this, Tom, is and the one thing that I don't, really understand it and maybe you probably the same as me is that under what circumstances would any guy have their hand on melissa's detonator and say that they wanted to wait until later mm. can you can you see that as a realistic sort of scenario yeah remembered you parked your car in a three hours <laughs> that's probably it i think that's probably yeah i think you're probably right look if you're married, your hand shouldn't be anywhere near Melissa's detonator. So no, I think we can rule true. that out. I mean, it should, you know, if you're a married man, there should be a couple of feet between you and Melissa's detonator. Yeah, I think again, that's safe on to public say. transport. On public transport. Be doing Maybe, I don't know, religious weirdos that are like, um, you know, no <laughs> sex before marriage. Maybe, once again, you mm. don't get your, into a situation. I mean, because you're just leading Melissa on, aren't you? You're you are. You're in you're that situation. Once the hand's on the detonator, she thinks, you know, you're going all the way. <laughs> And she's, and she's already mentioned, don't look at her that way if you yes, won't go all the way. She's made her intentions. She has. Clear. So look, I think probably the only situation I can think of is, yeah, as you said, carp, but you'd just take, I think you'd, I'd take the fine, I think, Tom. I would just happily <laughs> yes. take the fine. Oh, as a gentleman, yeah. you'd accept the fact that you're going to get a ticket. Yeah, look, I think probably if you'd, so you're on a date with Melissa, you've eaten something <laughs> bad that's disagreeing with the stomach, you think you can hold out. Things get intimate. It's on the detonator. You're thinking, I might shit myself. You mm. might have to come up with the excuse of, I want to wait until later. You don't want to tell her you, you know, you've got irritable <laughs> bowel syndrome or something like that. Yeah. That's probably the only situation I could think of. Yeah, I don't know. she might only have an ensuite, and it's like 
yeah. two feet away from the bed. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, that's that's awkward. So even I think, then, you would still have to ask her to wait till later. Yeah. And also stuff some toilet paper in her ears so she couldn't hear what was about to happen. Exactly right. So mm. I think that's, the for me, the only thing about this song that breaks down in terms of the realism of that <laughs> is that there is no man alive, uh, no straight man alive, I should point out, but I don't think, once again, a gay man would get into the situation with no. his hand on a detonator. So I think, I, I can't think of anyone alive at that time that would say to Melissa, I want to wait till later with the hands on the detonator. I certainly wouldn't have. Um, but then again, I was 10 and that may have landed <laughs> Melissa into some sort of difficult legal situation. Yeah, in a real Madonna sex book situation. For yeah. sure, for sure. So look, anyway, I'm sorry I talked about that for too long. You know, I didn't want to bring it up, but, you know, I think that it was probably worth I'm discussing. I'm assuming that that's the last she mentions about this and doesn't elaborate on it anymore during the course of the song. No, she doesn't. She doesn't explain what the detonator is, but I think I know what it is. I think we all know what it is. Um, and look, I think the meaning of the song is well explained, and I think it's good that she was able to get that line out mm. there so succinctly. It, it makes complete sense because the chorus time is one of the most fucking confusing choruses <laughs> I have ever heard in recorded music in the history of any song of all time. Um, because how does it go? Well, she's talked about you know, don't look at me that way if you won't go all the way. It makes mm-hmm. sense, okay? You know, if you want to wait till later, hands off my detonator. It makes complete sense. We get that once you get through the the metaphor of the detonator. But the chorus is. Uh, do to me what your eyes say you want to do, do it, read my lips, do it, read my lips. Now, I can only assume that what's happened in this scenario is that Melissa, she's with the same guy before, before the hands are on the detonator, or I don't know, like, at what point in the relationship, but the guy, the guy isn't even giving a fuck me eyes. Like mm. if like the fuck me eyes is like a common eyes thing that people do. We all know the fuck me eyes. You get the she's he the guy's giving Melissa the I want to fuck you eyes. Yeah, and then she's getting that, and then she's mouthing to him because he has to read her lips. Mm. So he's giving her the I want to fuck you eyes. She's mouthing to him. Do it. <laughs> do it. Is she doing? Is she mouthing? Do it, or is she mouthing? Do to me what your eyes say. <laughs> Yeah. So he's looking at this, and look, the eyes he's are lip read suddenly. The, well, the eyes are a very fucking poor communication tool to begin with. Look, mm. talking, yes, body language, hand gestures, but just saying something to someone <laughs> with the eyes, there's bound to be confusion. No one knows what's going on. So he's doing, he's talking to her with his eyes. Apparently, then she's mouthing to him. He's trying to lip read mm, while talking. Do it to me, read. Eyes. You know. Yeah, I like, see. So then, so no wonder dudes ended up on the detonator when they wanted to wait till later because they've got no idea what the fuck she's doing. She's just mouthing stuff at them, and they have to try and do it. And mm. also, she assumes that they're giving the guy is giving her the I want to fuck you eyes, but it could be anything. He might be like just <laughs> thinking to himself, oh, I wish I was at that Ascot Vale Scientology course because, you know, I hear that John Travolta is going to take me out for a bucket of chicken. Mm. So he's giving her those eyes and then she's saying, do it. And he's like, what, take you to the Scientology place to get some chicken with... Yeah, I can yeah. do that. So I think there's going to be a lot of confusion there. I'm confused. It might have been really in the moment and then suddenly started to believe that they'd gone deaf 
because they couldn't hear anything. They could just see mysterious lip movements that she's making. Absolutely. Look, I'm I'm confused. Direction. I'm confused as all fuck by this chorus. I've got no idea what's going on. Um, but then, luckily, after the chorus, she gets back into the. If you just want talking, you can start walking. If you just want talking. So once again, if you're only interested in communicating with Melissa, <laughs> verbal communication, no fucking, just get the fuck out. Keep on walking. So it's back on the straight and narrow. Mm. We know what's happening. Fantastic. So look, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. I think everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> but Tom, yeah, there's in the last third of the song, there's a. Look, I don't. Is is that a is there a bad rap part? Is it is it rapping? Is that is that uh, fair? Is that a fair assessment? Charitably, yeah. I mean, she's, I mean, she's speaking. Um, she's so, mm. she's talking far. She's talking faster <laughs> than usual. Um, I think I just don't want your flirtation. Yeah. Go where we can feel the vibration. She she's sort of speaking, but if it, I mean. It's definitely some uh, Love it's, City Groove level. Oh, look, I think seventeen style. Yeah, beat I think if it is rapping, it sort of makes Iggy Azalea look like MF Doom. I think in terms of just how bad it is. But look, um, I don't want to call her out on that because I'm not quite sure whether it is rapping. So it's I, I feel like it would be bad for me to say that she's doing a bad rap when it's probably just a talking bit. Let's mm. just call it talking. So she does that anyway. Um, look, for me, that's all the lyrical highlights. Um, I could, there's probably more. I could go through it a lot more. Does end with her saying, you've just got to follow the beat and you'll find the location. Yep. Okay, <laughs> maybe the detonator vibrates when it's ready. <laughs> it's but then, end the conversation. So now she's suddenly, she's chatty again. Like, fuck's uh, sake. Yeah, that's that true. It, yeah, all right. Follow okay. the beat and you feel the vibration. So, how did this song perform? Oh, I went to straight to number one, Tom. Mm. Look, this is fantastic. Um, the music video as well, it would be remiss not to mention it. It is the fucking most 90s thing. It's and I probably said 90s. that last week about MC Scat Cat. But I've I think got a candidate this later. But takes, yeah. <laughs> okay. But this is, this is, okay, imagine you're looking at your television screen now. One third of the screen on the far left is like blacked out. It's just complete black. And then you've got Melissa in the other two thirds. Um, there's also dancers where they're dancing on a black and white checkered floor, mm. but then the dancers are yep. wearing pants where the front of the right leg is white, <laughs> the front of the left leg is black, and then the backs of each of those legs are reversed. Yeah. Same situation with a half black and white shirt front and back. So imagine that trick. in black and white dancing on a checkered floor. It's like... What's going on here? Yeah. I can never understand. And then in that black square that I've mentioned on the other third of the screen, just words pop up. Read my lips, obviously, because that's the name yeah. of the song. But then also just other words like hot, yeah. sexy. And just like bad 90s. We've just discovered we can stretch text in Photoshop fonts where, yeah, yep. it's all very CNC music factory. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, this music video also features um, Australian actor... Uh, Simon Baker mm, star of the mentalist ANZ commercials and apparently quite the chode <laughs> I'm not, not allowed to tell you who told me that but oh, he worked no. with him quite closely oh so. someone worked with him and said he was a dick that's no good because he was also on E Street um, ah yes yeah. of course he was yeah. so it's fantastic that's no good that's that's a shame um, yeah but I guess oh he's rich he's fine yeah he's doing alright <laughs> yep. so that dude sucks um, don't it was in the film Breath the film Breath was quite good 
Yeah. Yeah, that was actually not bad. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I know mostly from this music video on the ANZ commercials, <laughs> which are both very, very good work. Never seen The Mentalist, but I assume it's fine. Um, Melissa performed this track live at the 1991 Rugby League Grand Final. Um, mm. They don't just let anyone do that. No, they are popularly known as the home of great music. I think uh, <laughs> other highlights included Meatloaf revealing that he's basically doesn't have a voice anymore. No. <laughs> just <laughs> hoarsely screaming yep. random words. I think uh, Billy Joel performed live from the back of a hovercraft, mm. which pranked into several things and rendered what he was saying inaudible because a hovercraft is essentially three giant fans working simultaneously yeah it's it's really <laughs> synonymous finest. synonymous with music it's the Australian Super Bowl absolutely yeah, if with, you will yeah, in the sense sure. that it's a bunch of steroid casualties slamming into each other punctuated by occasional outbursts of popular music yeah exactly but I think the Super Bowl probably gets someone that's done something for some <laughs> period of time as opposed to someone that released one hit three weeks ago but look sure. that's okay um, so this was straight to number one follow up single sexy bracket is the word um, that's fucking hot as hell as well <laughs> um, that one features the lyrics I try my best to keep my cool but you're sexy and then she just says sexy a lot. Um, nothing I can put my finger on, you're just sexy. Um, however, it does feature the lyrics, I want to reach you, touch you, capture you. So I'm not quite sure whether that's sort of like a, you know, taking, you know, false imprisonment type, <laughs> taking someone against their will, um, locked in a basement it's type no scenario. I don't really know. Though, is it? It's not, it's not. That only reached number three on the charts, so there you go. Both of those songs were on her debut album, Fresh. Uh, um, yes. which was released the following year um, and a couple of other songs on that there's one I think it's called Soul to Soul or something and in the music video she's dressed like a biker she's got like a leather <laughs> hat on sure. um, so always mixing up her image and then of course um, she released the song My House and I think what happened with that one was Tom people sort of said okay you've used a lot of metaphor in read my lips about the detonator etc etc that I, I i don't know if i mentioned it's that previously yeah i don't know symbology might not have talked about the detonator um previously tom but people can look up the lyrics themselves but um in that the song's called my house and the chorus just says come to my house it's mm. very simple people understand <laughs> that they're just like what they're, they're, you know, they're tired of, you know, what, what's that about? Sorry, I need to, you know, read my, do do to me what your eyes say you want to do, read my lips. Like people fucking have no idea. So she said, let's simplify it. Um, just f come over to my house and bone effectively. Um, it only reached 119 on the chart. So I think it shows that people like confusing choruses, Tom. Mm. That's what that's proved to me. Um, so yeah, look. After this, she went on to such big things as the Real Housewives of Sydney. <laughs> and I don't know what she's doing today. Probably just that. <laughs> Probably just that, I would say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but look, look, FHM readers weren't wrong in 1991. Um, probably the hottest woman on the world when, TV when, hits. You, when you're 11. Sorry, sure. sorry yeah. TV hits. <laughs> FHM audience more. is at least two years older than the TV hits audience. Exactly. Got anything else for me on this? No, one? no. I think you've covered it pretty well, I would say. Yeah, absolutely right. So look, yeah, it's a classic song. Um, sorry, give me three seconds because I need to do this live. I don't actually. I could probably just... Do people care <laughs> I about... I know it off by heart, I would have thought... 
um, Melissa's um, Spotify list, 2,800. That's rough. <laughs> Is that the lowest we've ever had? Um, well, seeing as she hasn't put out any music since about 1992. Yeah, she actually did, Tom. She released a new album in 2005, wow. unfortunately, which did feature... Um, MC Scat Cat. <laughs> it did, yeah. And I think some of her other songs re-recorded, which, as you know, is one of my favourite things Always. to do. So. I'm sure there was a DJ Sammy mix on there. Somewhere. Yeah, goodness me. Um, that's not a lot. I feel 2,800 is very low. I feel bad for well, it. But this costs five bucks on, <laughs> on um, Discog, so that, more, oh, that okay. matches up for it. So that's one is of the more expensive possibly ones. got anything to do with those uh, sealed up crates that I saw in the shed <laughs> when I was coming <laughs> through the garden? Yeah, I, I own every single copy of this, and um, I'm jacking the price up. Cornering that's exactly right. the market. Cornering the market, for sure. So that's good. Um, thanks, Melissa, for the greatest song of the 90s. Up next is Brian Adams... 11 weeks. Fuck me. That's like three solid months of everything I do, I do... No, sorry, bracket, everything I do, bracket, I do it for you. Mm. Do you prefer the bracket <laughs> bit at the start or at the end? Does it matter? Um, I like an ellipsis thrown in as well, if I can yeah. get one. But yeah, I'll take it at the start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely right. Now, Tom, why was this a big hit for 11 weeks? It was a big hit because of a certain Mr. Kevin W. Costner, who yep. released a film called Robin Hood, probably bracket, Prince of Thieves, <laughs> probably in bracket, <laughs> which was a massive worldwide hit. Um, in my memory, this song featured... Eric Clapton and another artist. So I've clearly conflated it with a different song, but this was nonetheless. He did uh, several songs on this uh, soundtrack. Yep. But this was a huge hit at the time. This was also smack bang in the middle of his Waking Up the Neighbours period, which was also this huge album that had like three massive hits on it as well. And he was just played in rotation on the radio forever because he was suitably rocky-ish that you could get away with him on classic rock, but inoffensive enough that you could get away with him on shit like 7LA that wouldn't have played, you know, Guns N' Roses or something like that. There's a good chance, Tom, this is one of the songs I put in the back of my envelope to win that Roxette Joyride <laughs> album. I'm not 100% sure, but there's a fairly good chance I did because I probably just hadn't heard it enough. Once every 15 oh, minutes man. was not enough for me. Look, I there were no more. shortage of people who were waking up the neighbours at that time. Um, yeah. Exactly. So um, he was still on his first real six string, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, I say, eleven weeks was long here. Apparently, in the UK, it was number one for sixteen consecutive weeks, which which yeah, was the longest run. Yeah, about right. Um, and the single itself sold fifteen million copies, Fuck um, me. which that is, is insane. Um, so yeah, that's a lot, and four million in the US alone. So wow. it's apparently the fourth highest selling song. Um, since 1991. Wow. And yeah, as you say, 16 straight weeks in the UK, which is an, a record like uninterrupted ever. Yeah. Like as of 2020. Wow. 15 um, million copies worldwide. There are whole, there are artists who never even approach that for their entire career. Yep. Fuck me. Absolutely. Um, is Kevin Costner the best Robin Hood? <laughs> Does anyone give a flying fuck about Robin Hood these days? They make one every three years. I had a look at um, just the Wikipedia entry on Robin Hood. There's been like 30 movies since like 1900. They just pump them out. Yeah, it is a bit weird. Given that he may well not really have existed. No. 
you know, although I guess you could say the same thing about Jesus, who's also remains That's true. a fairly popular figure. Always making films about that guy. Yeah, there's a lot more stuff about Sherlock Holmes, and he was definitely fake, but he also had a lot more adventures than Robin Hood, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Well, Sherlock Holmes, I guess, was solving different shit. Robin Hood's just like, um, you know, it's taking some Robin from the rich and giving to the poor. Yeah, socialism poorly. remains popular in fiction <laughs> as opposed to in politics where people continually vote for bend over and take it from Rupert from behind. But yeah, um, look, this song was also covered by Kenny G. Ben. Let's not forget that. That's a, that's a version me, I need do to you, know. Speaking of irony, yep. do you have... Or do you think anyone has any unironic appreciation for Brian Adams anymore? Um, that's a good one. He he was never very interesting question. enough to achieve true ironic potential. Really, no, was he? he no, was too no. bland and Canadian and sort of. Yep. You know, I think he has a lot of hits. Um, in terms oh, of like, inarguably, he would be a trillionaire. Yeah, exactly. Um, for sure, there's some songs back in the 80s that I think have a little bit more power. I think by the time we got into the 90s, it was pretty... This is like this song um, is is pretty boring. I'm going to say yeah. it's pretty boring. But there's, I remember as a kid, um, there were some other songs off this album, Wake Up the Neighbours, I didn't mind too much. But after this, I think it gets particularly bland um, from Brian Adams, like very sort of yeah. normal, like... So, like could be any song on the radio, what any sort of edge that he might have had, which yeah. was minimal to begin with, I think. The production sort of... has this really kind of sanded off quality. Yeah, like... exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think like some of the songs um, in the 80s, like Run To You. Um, oh, yeah. That's like a pretty... Slightly rockier. Yeah, slightly rockier. Um, but yeah, this is sort of... Um... Yeah, this sucks. Yeah, it's not <laughs> great, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, loving that film at the time. My yeah, friends, definitely. I had, yeah, it was sort of early teens and I, all my mates were very into that. Mm. It was kind of, it managed to achieve that thing of being a successful romantic film, which was also kind of an action movie as well. It had, yeah. you know, camera eye view of arrows flying around and stuff like that. It's got Alan Rickman doing The Sheriff of Nottingham. I could watch a two-hour film of just Alan Rickman doing The Sheriff of Nottingham. Look, he's very good. Um, what I like most about this... He is, yeah. But they, about that. No, that's okay. They'll bring him back in CGI form, Tom. Don't worry about it. They can do that these days. Um, look, what I like about this is that um, Kevin Costner makes zero fucking attempt to do a British accent in this. <laughs> He's just talking like a regular American dude. But Christian Slater does attempt a British accent at the start, but then it sort of fades out as the film progresses. He's not in it the whole film, but it's sort of like, oh, it's Robin of Loxley. And yeah. then like two scenes later, he's just like, sounds like a dude from San Francisco. It's a real so, accent factory. Thank you, thank you Christian right. Slater. That's pretty good. Um, what about Morgan Freeman? Did he give it a go? I can't remember. Um, yeah, I think he's supposed to be fucking Moorish. Yeah, but he just sounds like he's just narrating a penguin yeah. documentary, you know. <laughs> That's true. And I know I have no idea what Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio is meant to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it's you, it's typical Hollywood. <laughs> is it safe to say that in the nineties, no one gave a fuck about um, doing the accents of? I think where if you, you watch Game of Thrones, you would see that still to date, people just 
think anything that happened in any other country or in the past just sounds vaguely British if you can be fucked and if you can't, Don't worry about cares? it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've not watched the film where Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise are in Ireland. Um, if you remember that one, far no, and away. No. Um, but can you recall, does Tom Cruise try and do an Irish accent or is it sort of... I'm nice? sure he has a go at it. That's For some good. reason, actors like an Irish accent. They all think they can bloody do one. Like, yep. it's... Yeah, fiddly dee potatoes is what it sounds like yeah. most of the time. I also haven't seen the, was it Ridley Scott, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe? Oh, I've not seen that as, one, no. As the, as, as, I think he's the Sheriff of Nottingham, maybe. Is I'm he, not sure. Is he actually just Robin Hood? Either way, and there was a recent bloody... I think there was a Guy Ritchie one recently. I'm it assuming surprise me. in the Guy Ritchie one, everyone would have had a Cockney accent. Yep. In the Russell Crowe one, he would have spent maybe 10 minutes doing a sort of half assed British accent, then given up and just gone back to Australian, yep. a la Gladiator and every other film he's done. Yep. <laughs> Is um, it safe to say that they'll make another Robin Hood film? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Is... Someone's going to do an edgy retelling. Of, well, that's know. what I was suggesting. <laughs> Can they bring Robin Hood either into the present day? Or either into the future. Well, I think what into happened... the distant future. The idea with the Russell Crowe one was that someone had this really cool script where the Sheriff of Nottingham was the hero and Robin Hood was this murderous outlaw who kept killing people and he had that he was trying to start a revolution and he's got... Flip the script, to Tom. They yes. flipped the script. And then they got Russell Crowe involved and Russell Crowe decided he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be the hero and he wanted to be Robin Hood. So they re-flipped the so script. So they had to back flip to the script back yeah. to a film that... Nobody bothered to see because it looked like another boring retelling of the same fucking but story. But I think that is the new flipping the script, Tom. What you do is you flip it, then you flip it back so it's exactly the same. And people say it's exactly the same and you say yes, but you expected us to flip the script and we did and then we flipped it back again. Mm. So people are saying mm. it's just exactly the same. And you go, yes, but you don't understand behind the scenes we've flipped it twice so it's new. Yes, reverse psychology. That's it's completely new and original. If you flip the script twice, it's a whole new thing. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, got any lyrical highlights? Probably, probably Christ <laughs> almighty. This is an example of Rob. This is fucking Brian Adams writing a love song. There's no love like your love and no other could give more love. There's nowhere unless you're there all the time, all the way yeah <laughs> four million copies Ben four yeah. million copies this is no fucking thunder in your heart from Red that's for sure I yeah. hate to say it but I feel like this sort of shitty ass movie love song marks the beginning of the end of the cinematic power ballad like this was beaten at the Oscars this year by Celine Dion for fucking Beauty and the Beast mm, weak it makes a man long for Peter Cetera <laughs> it, it does. truly does I mean if you just went through the 80s you keep waiting for this shit to break out and do something but it just doesn't it's no. like that shitty Sam Smith song for the last James Bond film like you can't do a movie power ballad or a James Bond theme if you're not ready to fist pump the air. Yeah, exactly. Just don't fucking bother. Leave your keytar at home, assholes. Yeah, for sure. You need some fist pumping quality to that. Um, I completely agree. I'm not sure why they don't get any songs off Pantera's power metal for the James <laughs> Bond films. I'm yes. just pumping my fist the whole time. Um, but I, I suggest for this one, this song is terrible. 
Um, the lyrics, you're right, they're pretty boring, which is weird because I think Brian Adams does have a history of, of very good lyrics, um, such as another song of Waking Up the Neighbours, There Will Never Be Another Tonight, oh, okay. um, which features a song, You've Got to Ride Your Broom Right Into My Room, Kick Off Your Shoes and Make Yourself at Home. So, <laughs> sure. don't know what the fuck that's about, but you know, that's pretty good. I like it. Perhaps you got to ride your broom right into my room. Just like, what? Perhaps he's what talking to the love witch from Sucker DJ. <laughs> I think so. Perhaps he's trying to get Dimples D on the hook. Uh, Absolutely right, and Dimples D would take that call, let me tell you that. Um, this is 11 Weeks of Power. Brian Adams has 15.6 million listeners on Spotify. Doesn't surprise you. Doesn't surprise he still you. tours now. Well, there's, there's, I mean, he does have Famously, if you want to get uh, Ryan Adams to leave the stage, you can just yell out Summer of 69 <laughs> and he'll walk off. <laughs> he, uh, he covered it eventually, didn't he? Like a few years ago. I think eventually he, he basically it. had to. Yeah, is, he can, is he cancelled these days? I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Or he's, he's certainly on the line. Yeah, anyway, that's fine. But yeah, he'll do that. Um, 12 cents you can pick this up for. Yeah. Um, makes no... Too it's much. not a surprise they sold 15 million copies of this, so there must be a shitload lying weeks, around. man. That is um, crazy. But yeah, 15 cents. Probably don't do that. If you want to check out a song from Bright Adams, either delve into the 80s or go for the broom one I just talked about <laughs> or Can't Stop This Thing We Started, which is um, probably be better than this. So there you go, 11 weeks, that's a fucking long time. Um, October 12, Martika, Love Thy Will Be Done, uh, one week. Mm. But um, there you go, Martika, what can you tell me about Martika? Can you tell me anything about uh, Martika? I don't know much about her, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't know a lot either. Um, she was on something called Kids Incorporated. Um, okay apparently so she was a cast member on that show she looks very young in the video yep so the kids are kids incorporated featured in a lot of different musical numbers um from the mr t motivational video be somebody or be somebody's fool in 1984 good advice if only vanilla rice had listened to that exactly so i believe that martiga got her start working with mr t so and the very finest in music (laughs) and film usually would say that where'd you get your start Mr. T. T yeah. Okay, fair enough. Move on. Decided to be somebody. Yeah, Prince wrote this one too. Mm. Does that surprise Man, you? Probably he is not. A fucking hit machine. Yeah, he's unstoppable for sure. Um, oh, and he also would play this later in his live tours in the nineties and aughts. So mm. yeah, so he must have liked it too. He must oh, that's have liked cool. How it came out. Yeah, fantastic. Look, um, the thing about this song is that this was. Um, uh, Martika One Hit Wonder probably she maybe. had a, a she few had others Toy Soldiers is that yeah, one Toy yeah Toy Soldiers was huge in America in 89 it was uh, a number one it got to five okay. here and that became famous obviously for a new generation after Eminem used it in his imaginary, imaginatively titled Like Toy Soldiers song <laughs> yeah so which largely <laughs> was just built around that yeah, uh, yeah. so exactly. that was big but yeah, yeah so cool. I would say Two Hit Wonder Two hit one. Two hits, and but they're, was... they're pretty big hits. Look, um, this was the first song off um, her second album, uh, Martika's Kitchen. Oh, yeah, that was another sort of hit. Yeah, well. exactly. Maybe it not was. A hit, but it was on the charts, I remember yeah. that song. So the album was re released in 2018. <laughs> Obviously, they re release yeah. things a lot. Um, there's deluxe editions these days with B sides, you know, DJ remixes. Sammy remix, yep. <laughs> DJ Sammy. Alternative mixes, demos, all that sort of stuff. So if you released this in 2018 as a deluxe edition, what would you call it, Tom? Would you call it something like Martika's Kitchen Deluxe Edition, Martika's Kitchen Redux, 
Or would you call it Martiga's Kitchen Reheated Edition? Mm, mm. <laughs> Which one would you I go for? The record label went with the latter, seriously, <laughs> oh, and I'm really? not fucking joking. <laughs> I no. That was a joke. No, it was not I a joke, Tom. There's no jokes in this show. Martiga's Kitchen Remodeled. No. Martiga's Kitchen Renovations. No. Uh, Martiga's Extending. No. Kitchen, <laughs> putting a patio out the back, French doors. French so doors, cool. exactly. No, you should know, Tom. There's no jokes in this. I don't do jokes. This is serious. <laughs> That's what they called it. The record label said, "Let's call it Martiga's Kitchen Reheated Edition." Mm. Um, that's creativity, I guess. Reheat. Oh, fucking, yes. I don't know. Jesus. Sort okay. Of. Uh, oh, and she also had this. Used to be my playground. Sorry, if you remember that oh, song. Oh yeah. This Which used to be my playground. That got reused for a pink song. She oh, borrowed that too, I think. Yep. Yeah, or at least she borrowed that line, certainly. Definitely. Look, I don't mind this one. I think this one's, this one's pretty good. No. Um, I yeah. mean, it, like... Doesn't sound like a lot of other songs in the list. No, I like, uh, nothing compares to you. Yep. It's got that Prince foundation that yep. just gives it, yeah. Lyrically, uh, I hadn't heard this for a long time, and mm. <laughs> re-listening to it, looking at it, uh, something became obvious. Uh, oh Lord, love, thy will be done, since I have found you, my life has just begun, and I see all of your creations as one perfect complex, no one less beautiful or more special than the next. We are all blessed and so wise to accept thy will, love be done. This oh. is just a straight up hymn. Straight up. <laughs> I never noticed that before, but I think when I was younger, I didn't know how much of a raging Christian prince was, yeah. or at least the phases that he would go through. I certainly didn't realise uh, this yeah. was about the Jesus. I had no idea about that. No, so. me either. Like yeah. It brings me to my next question. Mm. Uh, how much boning are you allowed to do and still be a Christian? Like, Is there a cut-off point? That's a very good question. Um... <laughs> Look, I think if you're legit hardcore, um, then it's zero before you're married, <laughs> isn't it? Um, mm, so, mm. And, I, and that's probably so, that's Melissa probably fell into that problem. I think as we <laughs> talked about before, by meeting guys that were Christians and then they got too close yeah. to the detonator. But um, I think that yeah, I don't think Prince, Prince ever told anyone to take their hands off his detonator under any circumstances. No, certainly not. That was certainly um, it was kind of one long rolling continuous explosion. Hands on the detonator. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. I don't think he needed anyone to touch anything. No, exactly. It's Look, like, it's a fair question. If Prince, yeah, I mean, if you are hardcore. Um, then Prince probably wasn't really abiding by the tenets of the religion, I would suggest. Um, but then again, does anyone? Isn't there's a bit of flexibility mm, in there, isn't there? Look, mm. I'm sure he abided by what I like to call basketball player Christianity, which is yeah, the kind where you're allowed to bone 68 groupies a week and still uh, thank God for getting three pointers. Oh, absolutely right. I think it's it's effectively that. Like I think it, you know, as long as you're not killing anyone, everything else oh, is hey, fair game. I'm not Complaining. I was just curious. Oh no, no, no! It's 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 fair enough, definitely. So look, if Prince Prince is probably banging a lot of chicks, and that's okay. Um, probably bang Martika. I don't know, Martika. If you're listening, give us a call. As long as like she was hear. past the age of consent. Oh, I'm sure she was absolutely. Um, you don't. I mean, it's called and they Martika. Were married, Martika. Yeah, I'm assuming they were they, under they, holy matrimony. They would have been married, not living in sin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, you're right. Prince is religious sort of thing because you sort of look at. Yeah, that whole religious stuff. And then he, he recorded that album, what was it, the Black Album, and it, they pressed them all up and it was about to be sold and then he rang up the record company and said, oh, you know, because of my 
<laughs> beliefs or whatever you need to destroy literally millions of albums that have already been made and the record label did it and you know that was an album that was effectively you couldn't obtain it for decades because Prince I mean not, there's not a lot of other artists that could demand that they destroyed all of it's the albums true, so. there actually is a weird subset of musicians who had religious beliefs which were somewhat at odds with the content of their music and they would go through phases in their life where they would move in and out of conviction yeah often with varying effects on their career johnny cash was often seemed to be at war with his own spirituality dolly parton people like that i mean it's not it's not unheard of yeah yeah, but it's yeah, it is unusual for oh, someone absolutely. who lived in giant purple fuck palace. But anyway, <laughs> no so speaking doubt. of doing that, no let's, doubt, no let's thrust on into the future. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, just just one oh, thing yeah, quickly. Sorry. I was just going to say, um, do you think, like, when you think about Prince's uh, cream, is that just about jizz, basically? Like, is it just... I mean, I can only assume so. And that has to be, doesn't it? So, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm trying mean, to... Somebody told me Little Red Corvette was just about a vagina. I mean, the all the lyrics are about going home with some chick and yeah. getting nervous because of the amount of people she's already boned and then it turns out okay because you're rad in the sack. I mean... Absolutely. You know, so it could easily be... So Martika's about half a mil... On oh, Spotify, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, so love thy will be done. Um, sorry, I'm doing this in. I'm doing this. In, you got you got anything? Okay. Say anything, Tom. Anything <laughs> at all? I'm doing this. Well, should I time. move on to the next one, or do you want to um, come up with the? Oh, the, co- oh, the, the price cents. of this. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. I, no, I, uh, it's 36 cents. There 36 you go. Boom, move cents. on. Quick, go. <laughs> right. Go, go. It's All okay. Right. All right. What what next? 19th of October for two weeks. We've got Big, o- Big Audio Dynamite 2 with Rush. Yeah, Tom, look, this is better than anything The Clash ever did. Do you agree? <laughs> uh, well, it's like, this is uh, Big Audio Dynamite performed by Mick Jones, former guitarist and backup singer of The Clash or co-singer. Along with Joe Strummer. By the yep. time this album, uh, this the album this is off is called The Globe. By the time this album had come out, uh, everyone from Big Audio Dynamite version number one had either left, been sacked, or died of a heroin overdose. Mm. So Mick Jones got another band worth of replacements ready, and Big Audio Dynamite two kicked off in 1991 with this album, The Globe. Um, this single was released in the UK mystifyingly as a double-sided single with Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, which sounds kind of similar to this. They share a similar sort of production. I have no idea why they did that. I mean, it's tempting to say that it shows that uh, Mick Jones and Joe Strummer were still on good terms, mm. but it may have just been some weird record company bullshit. But it was a dumb idea for Big Audio Dynamite because it meant that this was a number one hit in the UK, but only Should I Stay or Should I Go got the credit because you weren't allowed to have, you know, oh. if they had to pick which one of them was the, you know, the one that, yeah. But anyway, so that's it. So they, you know, he left in 1983, then he was in various other bands, started a whole band called Big Audio Dynamite, they had an album, then, uh, yep, everyone left, reformed, and yeah. 
So yes, um, this is a weird song. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's it's interesting for me, Tom, because um, one of the things about it is that, um, yeah, as you mentioned, Big Audio Dynamite Two and the One and the whole situation. But this song is actually just a slight reworking of a song um, from their previous album called oh, Change of Atmosphere. When they were Big Audio Dynamite, yeah, so they, they yeah, so they were called Big Audio Dynamite. They had the song called Change of Atmosphere. No one gave a flying fuck about that. Seven months later, they re-release it as Maybe Rush. Maybe it was the thing with the Clash. Maybe Could people be. heard it because of that, and then it got big yep, on exactly. Its own. So yeah. slightly modified it, brought that back seven months later. What can change in seven months? I don't really know. <laughs> but as you said, yeah, there was some circumstances during that other single. Came back. Um, this was released number one in Australia. Um, and as you said, it's it's a completely bizarre number one yeah. pop song, quote unquote, I'm saying pop song, there's a heap of samples in it, like yeah. just a lot of samples throughout like various, so it's obviously the band's playing a song, but then it features samples of other parts of guitar based music as well, there's a break beat for most of it, um, yeah, then there's just- a drop out then there'll be a weird sample then it'll drop yep. in play an organ line for 20 seconds yeah. drop back into the song like yeah and there's a break in the middle where it's just some dude talking for a bit <laughs> it's for Peter, like Peter Sellers just oh. reading just some sample from an old film but it's also got like you know 10 other samples through it from other bits and pieces just yeah there's, like, there's parts of like a, a, a Who song um, I think the organ is from a Deep Purple song oh yeah um, yeah then there's yeah guitar breaks from various other things um, Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight there's a part from that in there as well so um, yeah so it's completely bizarre um, at, at one point like I just noticed listening to it I had never noticed this I'd heard this quite a few times but I never noticed this at one point, for as long as it would take in reality to happen, just a jet just flies over yeah, yeah. in the background. Just the sound of just, you know, a jet on a clear day just flying overhead. They just thought, we'll put that in as Absolutely. well. <laughs> Look, I'm feeling this because of how bizarre it is and how completely nuts. And I remember at the time mm. being like, what the hell it's is going on with this? It's a fucking strange Yeah, like people were obviously into it enough for it to be number one for two weeks. Um, the follow-up song, The Globe, was also, also on this, on this yeah. uh, album. And that was a top 10 hit in Australia as well. That was, was another weird one. But um, yeah. The Globe contains the line, Get up and clean your teeth and have a shave. It's 1am, let's go out to a rave. Which is stuck in my head for 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> Absolutely. It's Works also got the line, uh, What's the health department got to say? Don't smoke more than 50 fags a day. Which seems like strange advice for the health department. Like this is a weird hit. The, unfortunately, the video is nowhere not as much fun as the song. But yeah, we are thick into '90s shit now. Like in the first two minutes of this video, we've got ponytails, stupid bucket hats, happy pants, bad color graded digital video, <laughs> massive shirts in both the untucked and tucked into high weighted high waisted pants Seinfeld option, enormous pants. Club footage with British people chewing their faces off on pingers, centre parted Chandler college cuts and Ross style polo turtlenecks, weird drum breaks, parachute pants, collarless vest by the fucking pound, nylon soccer shirts, high top fades, white boy dancing out the asshole, Aztec prints, and lastly and most noticeably, not a mullet to be found. Oh, it's short really? hair. Yeah, nah. The longest you longest hair you can have is a weird ponytail. That's all you've got. But yeah, it's no. de- we're definitely into the 90s here. At least in the UK, we are. Yeah, 
That's fantastic. Look, I think... Um, I was kind of jealous of people listening to this on Pingers. It must have been fun. Oh, it would have it's been. In, it's interestingly weird. It you, is interesting. You could dance weird. to this. Yeah, you, could, yeah. you could dance to this in a nightclub. Yeah, and I think last week we sort of talked about how a weird number one song, uh, Faith No More, epic was. Mm. This is even more bizarre. Yeah, it's very odd. Because it's sort of... Um, it, it has some qualities of hip-hop to it in the sense that it's sample a lot of samples yeah. sort of stitched together, but then they are still like... A, what looks like a traditional rock band, like playing yeah. guitars and stuff. It's kind of got Clash-style jangly guitar yep. stuff in it. Then it's got weird vocal stuff in it. Yep. His lyrics are odd too. They're yep. sort of, yeah. Some all for this. This is pretty good. Um, these guys, 300,000 on Spotify. You know, it's not heaps, but yeah, I guess they're probably not known for that many songs. They, and... they reformed a few times and they were touring not that long ago, okay. I think. They've got that kind of... Old school retro British. I mean, fucking populate itself is still touring. You know, British bands will keep going forever if old guys come out to watch and play. Yeah, <laughs> that's my generalization. <laughs> and uh, you can get this for three dollars twenty mm. on Discogs, which is um, a bit more, but they probably didn't make loads of those. But yeah, that's good stuff. So Australia, I think this was a number one hit. I think only in Australia, so that was um, good for those. I guys. think it was big in the UK, yeah. but like I said, it got it lost the credit to the other side of the. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Um, up next is uh, for one week, you two, the fly. Mm. Now, Tom, is there anything more punk rock than forcing an album onto someone's <laughs> iPod? I think we discussed this we earlier did, with you yeah. two, but yeah, I mean. Seriously, imagine how many musicians would do that if they had the power. Like, yep. which song would you force onto everyone in the entire world's iPod if you could magically do it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think... Um, I'm guessing it might involve a certain one, Melissa, to get Oh, uh, Melissa would be for, certainly be on there for sure. Yeah, I'd get Melissa on there if I had to force a song. On what about songs. one of your own... Yeah, there'd be an Art of Seduction song on there, Tom, probably, and Bone Zone, which is a new song I'm working on at the moment. Um, for uh, it's it's yeah, it's going to be very good. I had a look at the lyrics. They were yeah, I think that's got uh, every single person in the world's iPod written all over it. Um, Absolutely right. So yeah, hopefully hopefully Bone Zone will drop by the end of the year. So it's sort of just looking for the right production team, trying to hit up either the guys that did Melissa's Read My Lips. Um, yeah, or mm. I, I might see if Dimples D's around to, to, <laughs> to help me out. She's very good as well. Um, look, I don't know. Everyone knows about you two. Um, yeah, look, obviously, there's not a lot to say. No, about, Bono's. Um, look, he created a persona for when he performed this song live. Um, yep. He's an artist. He, you know, he. I, I like to look behind the curtain of the. You know, of, of what Bono does, and sort of, I guess, you know, just the human creative process and the thoughts that go into things and and how things work out for mm. this U two live stage show. They do have a lot of different stuff happening. Um, I guess, and Bono, I guess, presented the personas and performs these. I guess just to give a different sort of. Um, for the audience, so that rather than just like, here's an A to Z, you know, mm. all the way through um, U2 show, I'm going to different eras, different songs, I'm going to have the different personas, and then the audience can be like, oh, that's really interesting. And I think he is an interesting character. Um, and for what he's done for this one is when he performs The Fly, he wears wraparound sunglasses to look <laughs> like a fly. Um, he is a creative genius, as I said. He sort of he does these things that a lot of other people wouldn't think about. They're like, "What's the song called? It, it's the fly. What's it about? It's a fly. I'm going to put on these sunglasses and maybe look like a fly." I, no one else would have thought of that. So I think it's really good. I think he's great. 
You yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's very, very good. This is what started to fuck with their concerts. So this was the start of the Zoo TV period. And yep. from then on, it was all just an ever-increasing snowball of more ridiculous live stage antics, which yep. don't really suit their music. Like, although, no. yeah. I think there's the Lemon Car. Did we raise that before? <laughs> that was the pop tour yep. that got even sillier. Yes, yep. where they got locked inside a giant plastic lemon. Yep. Then there was, got onto this last one, was like some sort of giant 3D VR thing that nobody even bothered going to, but yep. yeah, or not reporting on anyway. Um, yeah, like this is pretty simple. It rocks a little bit. They started using like crunchy guitar effects and vocal distortion around this album. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it would still be much tougher without his high pitched warbling and that fucking reverb. But what are you going to do? It's U2, you know, that's what they sound like. Yeah, exactly. You can't abandon too much or no one would know who it was. For sure, yeah, exactly. Look, um, I think you're right. Most of their songs, um, they are pretty simple I think like most yes. of it has just to do with the guitar effects the various things mm. that the Edge is doing um, and then yeah look I don't I, I was never really a massive fan so I can't really say when they started to drop off whether it was about now whether it was before this or whether this was still I mean this sold like a billion copies this album didn't it like, I think people were still feeling it oh um, yeah no they were this was the yeah 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 it was a bit later and I think people were sort of like not vibing on as much but um yeah I think it was the pop that was the sort of the beginning of the end. Yeah, that was when people started to go. Not the people, not they weren't successful, but uh, people started to go. Mm, these guys are a bit out of touch. I think possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, not, yeah. Know, yeah. At this time, they were still cultivating a slight hint of edge and you know street sort of stuff. Yeah, like, I think they're yeah. very much far removed from their sort of initial post-punkish type roots, yeah. I guess. So, thirty-six cents for this on Discogs. Um, I, I'm not going to look up the Spotify I've no, talked about it before. It's a fucking billion. Everyone knows that. Um, so yeah, that's good. Um, look, Tom, coming up next for three weeks um, is Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy. <laughs> now look, I've heard people say that this is one of the worst songs of all time, but it isn't. I think that's unfair. I think that title belongs to um, Deeply Dippy, the follow-up single um, to this song, which is fucking atrocious. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, I don't know if you've heard that one, but it, it's... I remember it sucking. It, it's balls. total dog shit. Um, but look, these guys wrote a novelty song as hard as they could, and you can't be mad at that, can you? Yeah. So, even though it is no. objectively terrible. They actually had six more UK chart hits, so people were listening to them, I'm guessing, in gay clubs? Yep. But not anywhere else for reasons that will become apparent if you listen to this song. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, they did, uh, they, they milked it for all they were worth, so good on them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's interesting because I think um, the guys in Right Said Fred, this was like, they wrote it as a rock song. I think they wrote like a sort of a rock and roll type song. Um, uh, okay. Ended up in the hands of a, a music promoter who contacted the band and then they basically turned it into like this sort of whatever it is now, this sort of dance track sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think he sort of liked the lyrics of the I'm too sexy thing or whatever. And then it just sort of ended up from there. So it might have even, I won't say taken out of Right Said Fred's hands, but I think the, how that initially conceived the song and how it ended up is yeah. quite different. Well, when you look at the video, you've got, you know, well, not the video, but... <laughs> From listening to the song and seeing the video, it looks like dance people pretending that the people in the background are playing guitars 
to, to over guitar samples, but actually it turns out it's the other way round. It's like yeah, it, that that those guys are in the band with you know the two guys who dress and act completely different to them yep. because they're brothers who work at a gymnasium, and the other guys look like just rock dudes. So yeah, as you say, it seems like it's actually had the dance music aspect inflicted on it instead and the other guys have showed up in the background to do the sort of guitar <laughs> the remaining guitar element that is in it it sort of still has the kind of fiddly guitar it bit. does yeah exactly so um so yeah the guy that brought uh, this to the masses his name was guy holmes he sort of took the band on and said yeah let's remix this and get that out there and it was very successful um i think uh quote of his he said um no one would put it out, but I thought bollocks to them. I'll put it out myself, and it sold six million singles. So he was obviously right in yeah, front of them. So he knew what he was talking about. Um, and look, I, I think um, he he brought this song out, and he's obviously you know knows what he's doing. He has a really good ear for music because he went on to have a very successful career, um, and he brought Crazy Frog to the masses. Good heavens! <laughs> so um, that's your resume. <laughs> you brought Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy, and Crazy Frog into being um <laughs> look i don't want to say it's a human rights violation but i think it's very close <laughs> i don't really know whether i mean he probably he, saw, he might have a very nice house but that house is at what cost mm. though that house is sort do you of, think there's a plaque by the front door that says you are now entering a mansion that was built on yeah <laughs> I'm too sexy slash crazy frog. Look, it would be hard to sleep at night, I think. Like, it's sort of, <laughs> you'd sort of wake up tortured, I think, and just, you know, you'd see crazy frog, you'd see right said Fred, deeply dippy, probably, you'd be like, what have I done? Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a probably, I'm not saying that it's the same feeling that, you know, maybe a remorseful serial killer would have in prison to sort of wake up and go, what have I done? I've killed people. <laughs> but I think it might be a similar sort of feeling, knowing yeah. you've inflicted this on, on the general public. Not so much right said Fred I mean this isn't great but but Crazy Frog is a totally different thing I think that's yeah, sort of like um, any, anybody him. that saw that and said let's bring that to the masses is uh, I don't know I, I don't really know whether that's someone I can support um <laughs> I, yeah, look, I think I'll just leave it there, Tom. Yeah. But look, I can't blame the guys in the band, though. You no, know. I can't blame them. No, I can't be mad at them. I think they were. It sounds like they were fucking around. One guy had a good bass riff, and then another guy who worked at a gym and watched a lot of people proposing and preening around just started making up some dumbass lyrics about that, and they were laughing at it. And then they absolutely, yeah. yeah. Look, I think that's the thing with a lot of no some of the novelty songs. I just the creators I want to punch in the face, but I think some people you just sort of go, you can't be mad at yeah. someone. They they were musicians before this as well. This isn't just <laughs> wasn't just like let's just start doing it's this. I think they played in previous bands apart from the, yeah. apart from this, and they just went let's go in a different direction. Um, apparently, the guitar riff was uh, basically stolen from a Jimi Hendrix song called Third Stone from the Sun. Um, so the it sounds nothing like nah. it. I had a listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a very rare. It's a not a rare, but it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that was a uh, yeah rumor. Um, so apparently the the guys in Right Said Fred weren't familiar with that deep cut, so they didn't really know when the guitarist brought the riff in. But yeah, as you said, Tom, I had a listen, and it doesn't really sound super the same no. plus um, I think the estate threatened legal action but they didn't follow through so obviously I if think it was they, a rip off you'd basically I think they said they settled for like a 
liner note credit and oh, a okay. donation to a charity or okay. something like it was one so of the ones where it was probably yeah. not worth taking to court definitely I mean this song personally this song makes me think of one thing Ben and that's mesh vests yeah it's mesh vest central yeah, very exactly. fit bald men wearing mesh vests I've never seen so many mesh vests every video and appearance involved mesh vests Ben uh, I think this band was getting kickbacks from the mesh vest industry oh absolutely on the right. other hand they did categorically state that they were too sexy for their shirt. Yep. So perhaps this was the only option. Um, I'm personally, I'm too sexy for a bum bag, which is why I never wear one. But, <laughs> Look, um, yeah. they painted themselves into a corner with the I'm too sexy <laughs> for this think, shirt. It I just only meant... hope that they had some jackets that they could also wear. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, they'd be very cold in winter in London. Oh, look, they should have followed in the footsteps of Indecent Obsession, just wore a wetsuit everywhere. I think that sort of would have that would have kept them warm. <laughs> but, you know, you can get some quite thick wetsuits as well, Tom, that um, mm. you know will keep you warm in all temperatures, and that would have you know, provided them with the comfort that they needed and then they wouldn't have had to have backtracked on the two sexy yes. for the shirt thing. They wouldn't have to wear one. Um, look, it's... Uh, yeah, do you need to do any lyrics? You no, probably do. <laughs> People know this. I think everyone knows all of the lyrics. It's just effectively, <laughs> I'm too sexy for them and I just list a bunch of stuff. Yes, that's basically it. He Pop does say that cat. Um, he says I'm too sexy for his cat, which asks a few questions about what's happening in the evening yes. at Fred's place. But other than that, yeah, everyone knows all of these lyrics already. So. Absolutely right. And then it does, I think, very creatively and cleverly ends with I'm too sexy for this <laughs> song and then it yes. stops. That's right. So that's very well done, Some I think. Some people might have suggested that could be the first line of the song, <laughs> uh, but yes. Anyway. Absolutely. Um, How are they Just performing? over a million on Spotify. 1.1 million. I suppose if they had six UK chart hits, maybe they still get remixed and played sometimes. Yeah, and you can pick this up for 50 cents, right. um, which is pretty pretty all right. Um, look, this is actually the best of, of their songs, probably, because <laughs> some of the other ones, Don't Talk, Just Kiss, and Deeply Dippy, are fucking awful. So, yeah, power to them for this. Um, yeah, so look, right said Fred, good on them. Um, I don't think we're going to have to talk about them again, which is sad. I'd no. like to talk about them some more, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Um, in 2012, this song was used in a commercial for Fruit Fusion flavoured Pop-Tarts, so you know it's good. Um, only sure. the best songs get used in pop tart ads. So there I'm you go. sorry, but no one is ever going to top commercial synergy for slice of Devon. <laughs> no. slice of Devon. That's the undisputed champion at the moment. Absolutely right. Look, I think that's it. Dave Dobbin. He is a an innovator, a pioneer. In fact, when I get home, I'm going to YouTube that video immediately. Yeah, definitely do it. Definitely. All right. So this brings Last us song on of the to year. the end of the year. Yep. Someone much less controversial. This is eight weeks of Michael Jackson, <laughs> black or white? Ah, uh, yes. A question people often ask themselves when looking at him, uh, which was a comment that was made approximately 26 billion times by people who thought they were funny at the time. He might as well have put a song out called Pointy Nose or Children Question Mark. Yeah, uh, and but, look, yes. but look, for me, Tom, this raises a lot of questions. I mean, we've already cancelled Michael Jackson, um, you know, due to some allegations oh, that made against him. Oh, yeah, we've, we've already, we've already, right. he's already been cancelled. <laughs> he's been cancelled once before um, because, <laughs> look, unfortunately, when we talked about his first song, I think episode one, that fitted into the pre-pedophile territory where we said you can listen to that. Go ahead. Mm. By this stage in 1991, I think the allegations had been made. He'd settled some stuff out of court. So by now, unfortunately, yeah. this. Song 
song fits into post-pedophile category, so you shouldn't be listening to that, um, is I'm what I'm sure saying, but it's up allegations, to you. I think the main bulk of the allegations were in 93. Were they? But there was definitely dodgy shit going on before that. According to his sister, there was dodgy shit going on in the 80s. Okay. Uh, cool. But yes, so definitely. Look, I'm definitely calling this post Post ped. I, th- I think to be on the safe side, Tom, we should call this post ped. So, um, so oh, he, yes. he's cancelled for happy that. To do that. But regardless of that, look, if we wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt on that, I think we need to cancel him a second time for this song anyway. Um, because <laughs> yes. he mentions in the lyrics, and look, uh, you know, he says, if you're thinking about my baby, it don't matter if you're black or white. What about the fucking Asians, Michael? What about the Asians? What about people from the Middle East? What about all the other races? He's saying, I don't mind if you're black, I don't mind if you're white, but he's effectively saying, anyone else, I want nothing to do with you whatsoever. Mm. So he's definitely a racist against other people, um, other races, and he's a racist pedophile, but to be honest, Tom, it's probably the best kind of pedophile because at least some kids are safe, I think. So, I mean, you know, that's true. I can't argue um, with Facts. If you're a Korean child, you're probably okay because Michael Jackson's only interested in you if you're black and white, uh, or white, sorry, or black and white, as or we pointed out before. Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, so <laughs> there's a pretty good chance there that, um, yeah, if you're from Taiwan, you're good to go. This was a, this was his twelfth number one in the USA. Yep. First single from album Dangerous. Again, yep. uh, the clue is in the title. <laughs> After bad, uh, this was the absolute apex of his cultural ubiquity. I would say, if yeah. not possibly affection, but yeah, it's uh, he was sales wise, he was on the way down. Thriller sold forty seven million. That holds the record for most yeah. title of any album. Still bad was twenty two. Dangerous sold seventeen. But culturally, he could not have been more prominent oh, right now. Yes. This video premiered simultaneously in twenty seven countries with an audience of half a billion viewers. The most ever for a music video. Yeah. It actually debuted in America directly after The Simpsons, which he loved. And yeah, for reasons that uh, might come <laughs> to play later. Uh, the last four minutes caused a fuck ton of complaints, <laughs> especially regarding the public vandalism and simulating masturbation aspects. So he immediately made a shorter version. Um, unfortunately, he didn't edit the pedophilia out of his own behaviour, but uh, yeah. yes, he did edit the last four minutes out of the video. You've watched it. What did you think? Oh, look, Tom, as you said, it's completely fucking ape shit. Um, look, <laughs> the song starts off... Um, <laughs> Pretty pretty good in terms of it featured Macaulay Culkin's in there. He shows up he and of sure course does. Michael only works with 10. A, age ten, so um, he's right in the hitting zone. So <laughs> I hope that right I hope zone. I hope that he's okay. I think that um, he's Macaulay in later life has said that you know things were a okay. So um, I hope I hope that that is the case true. and he's not protecting um, someone. But look, regardless of that, let's assume that you know. Macaulay knows what he's doing. He's already been in Home Alone at this stage, so he's a seasoned actor. He knows what's up. He knows who to avoid. But, you know, I'm sure, look, in the video clip, Macaulay's parents are downstairs, so Mm -hmm. there would have been other people on set. I assume everything's okay, so don't worry about that. But, yeah, apart... His dad is uh, Norm from Cheers for (laughs) some reason, but putting that aside, yes, his parents are downstairs. But what's Macaulay up to? In so his room? he's up in the he's up in the room. He's listening. To, he play. He's listening to music. He plays a guitar really, really loud. Um, and then it's all like, ah, and it's all fun and games. And then um, 
basically, yeah, the, the, the music video is just Michael. Like, <laughs> there's like some sick CGI effects of like him busting through like flames and shit. And yeah, it sort of looks... he's traveling around the world, he's dancing yeah. in exotic locations for Bloody like gloves. six whole minutes. <laughs> exactly. There's people's faces morphing from one person to the other, which was absolute cutting edge shit at the time. And it yeah. actually still looks not terrible. Like, it's, oh, yeah. they it was like the T2 stuff, like, they mastered that CGI first, the morphing stuff. So it actually. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, the morphing faces does actually look surprisingly good, considering mm. that um, also in this year we featured London Beat, which had some CGI that looked like um, total dog shit. Yeah. So this was good. Um, but yeah, look, the last five minutes are completely bizarre. So the song, but at this stage, the song's finished. The song completely. The song's ends. completely over. So then Michael just hits the streets. Um, uh, no, he. A, sorry, I think you mean a Black Panther. Sorry, walks out of the TV studio. Sorry, then that morphs into Michael Jackson. Yep, that's correct. And it's completely silent. <laughs> there's no sound. He's walking down this. There's no song. He's just walking down the street, and yep. then yeah, you're looking at YouTube, going, "Hmm, that's weird." There's still four and a half minutes of this video to go. So how do they fill that? Last? Oh, a lot of uh, crotch grabbing, Tom. Like, that's about three and a half of those four and a half minutes. Just grabbing the cock a lot, um, which is completely fine. He's he's dancing. Dancing to to no song. If that's what you call dancing. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't get away with it, Tom, but uh, Michael Jackson can. Then he uh, gets bored of dancing. Yeah. Uh, Um, Look, he grabs a crowbar and just lays waste to a car. Just absolutely smashes the living shit out of it. Empty car just destroys Throws a garbage can through a window of a bar, then trashes the bar um, and then just sort of splashes around in a puddle uh, and then rips his shirt off Mm. does a bit of that um, (laughs) and then just to remind you that it's 1991 it cuts to the Simpsons on a TV screen strangely enough the audience for the Simpsons weren't that into (laughs) no no but there's also lots of there's a couple of versions there's another one where there's lots of racist slogans apparently spray painted around oh okay maybe yeah, maybe that was the edited down <laughs> version. That was the safe version, but well, not uh, so. Not I don't think that sort of like um, not so like not him, deliberately him being. I think sort of more like people like not him being racist. I think sort of more like some. Oh, co- okay. So I think what what happened was you know I think there was some like comments sprayed on you know like there might be something offensive sprayed on a window and then that's when he would go and smash the window oh, with the, okay. or smash the car. So there was a little bit more. You can't see that. There's no. no indication that, that's the that problem so I think that was it like maybe the original concept for Michael was someone <laughs> sprayed something that's you know yeah. offensive on a car so I'm smashing the windscreen but then once I edited all that out it was just Michael just just trashing everything yes. um, and then uh, you know having morphed out of panther territory yes. and then again uh, and I can't say this thing. enough over silence like just the sound of him randomly screaming and the yeah, sound of smashing glass. <laughs> also, additionally, I mean, I hate to point it out, but there are far, far too many children in this fucking video. Yeah, way too many. They have zero to do with the song, and it doesn't involve children at all. There's babies sitting on top of a fake planet. There's a rap breakdown which is mimed by Macaulay Culkin, who at this point was eleven, yep. and apparently Michael Jackson's boyfriend. Yeah. Plus a dope posse of nine-year-olds with Michael hovering around behind them. It's frankly terrifying, Ben. Hiding in plain sight, Tom, I think is what mm. you would want to say. I mean, um, the- it's a turf war on a global scale, <laughs> um, I think is what I would say. <laughs> that said, I have to say, the motherfucker can dance. Why he chooses to exhibit this in a four-minute long silent sequence after he's just been dancing around the globe for six minutes anyway is part of the mystery of Michael. Yep. He had officially crossed the Lucas line at this point and he was not taking notes. <laughs> 
Hey, Michael, uh, would it make more sense if you said thinking of being my baby instead of thinking about my baby? No? Okay. Um, could we lose maybe just two minutes of you sensuously rubbing your own dick and nipples at the end? No? Okay. And we're going to cut to a cartoon of a child wearing a Michael Jackson shirt. Okay. We are good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I agree. Look, this video was directed by uh, John Landis. Um, it doesn't surprise me that he worked with a pedophile, seeing he has completely no regard for kids after killing a couple in a helicopter on the set of the Twilight Zone film. Mm. Yeah, man. So, How he continued to get work after that was something of a mystery. I yeah. think the secret was called Lawyers and Gigantic Out-of-Court Settlements. Yeah, no so, doubt. So, yeah, three people, including two kids under 10, died. Yep. But he then went on to make Trading Places and The Three Amigos. Mm, was, was that a fair trade, Ben, do you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about if I throw in Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Blues Brothers 2000? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough then. I think that's okay, for sure. I think you can... you can If you're going to go on to do that, then I think you should be free from prison. <laughs> I think if someone's just like, we're going to put you away for five years for killing some kids... What if I told you I'm going to direct Blues Brothers 2000? All right, that's a bargaining chip. We'll let you out. That's fair enough. So um, how do you think this compares? Is this your favorite video that opens with a kid in their room rocking out and then their parents bash on the door and complain and tell them uh, to keep it down? Or are you more of a, we're not going to take it by Twisted Sister well, fan, just, Or more gonna... of a possessed escape by suicidal tendencies? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think... Um, I do like that Suicidal Tendencies um, video clip. Um, I think, yeah, look, I'd probably, <laughs> it's a tough one. I'd probably go, that. I'd almost go Twisted Sister though. I think it's a bit more fun. It's pretty iconic, isn't yeah. it? It's D. Snyder is at his insane looking best in that. He looks like he's been dragged through a... <laughs> Yep. fucking spandex factory full of razor blades or something yep. it's very weird yeah it is it's good. got full on face makeup too it's pretty great like, yeah. yeah absolutely so look I think yeah I'd, I'd take those over this one because this one yeah, I know it goes for nine minutes and the last four minutes is just sort of like <laughs> effectively watching I don't know a dude grab his dick a lot um, so yeah I'd probably just go with Twisted Sister I think if I was to guess program Rage, Tom, and you had to start with <laughs> It would be fun song. to do them in a row to see how they line up. Oh, right? absolutely. I think so, for sure. I think if I had to go from best to worst, I'd probably go Twisted Sister, Suicidal, and then mm. MJ, I think. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of other ones I'm forgetting as well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are. They were just two that popped into my head off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, God. The amount of video clips that had that. Yeah, a lot of good ones. Um, look... The thing about this song as well is musically, we haven't really mentioned musically, but it's, it's just the one simple, guitar loop. It's just yeah. the one guitar riff for that. And like, jingly, it just goes yeah. for the whole song. And I never noticed it when I was younger, but when I listened to it for this, I just went, fuck, it's just that for the whole song. Yeah. And it's kind Except of Except for one, there's one sort of pasted in guitar break. Yeah. But all that serves to do is remind you that this is no friggin' Eddie Van Halen shredding bit from Beat It. Like, it's like a substandard kind of yeah, knockoff exactly. of that. Just played by... People uh, claimed at the time that it was Slash playing it. Yeah. But it wasn't. It's... 
Slash is, you can hear just at the start of the video when he's in his room yeah. and you can just hear a bit of vague guitar shredding in the background. That's Slash. That's off oh, something okay. of his. And live, apparently, in a few of the tours, he would come on stage and bust out yep. a bit. But in the actual song, it's just, uh, it's a, you know, another guy. Do you reckon Slash is disassociating his uh, <laughs> relationship with Michael Jackson? Possibly. Just like, never met him, don't know anything about him. Um, Perhaps don't know he's who he disputing is. the pre-pid, post-pid line that yeah. we just delineated. Well, I think unfortunately for Slash he fits mostly into the like in terms of when he collaborates with Michael it seems to all be in the latter parts (laughs) of his career but it's a shame 26 million people still listen to MJ oh I'm um, surprised it's not more yeah that's that's a lot but you know he had a lot of hits so that's fair enough you got anything else for me Tom? no no that's enough about this guy I think yeah I think you're right one lyrical thing Uh, (laughs) the first line of this is I took my baby on a Saturday bang (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, that's that's what he's claiming. You know, I'm. I guess you know we should question <laughs> what baby means in this term. You know, don't want to point out. Don't want to point it's out. just you just starts to turn into endless jokes about kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, look, Michael, he's put the breadcrumbs out there. Um, so I don't know. We're all. What what do the QAnon people do? They take the crumbs and bake them into a cake or whatever the fuck that I remember is. But at this age, I remember one of my aunties at a family dinner once saying, Hey, what did Michael Jackson say when he fell off a boat? <laughs> Can you throw me a boy? <laughs> Which I think I was too young to understand at the time. I had to ask for an explanation for that. Fuck that. And still even that works. was pretty vague. But I mean, this is what I mean. This people were joking about this stuff at the time. For like thirty years, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and he continued to get away with it. I guess it's like Jimmy Savile. People joked about it at the time, like, and then yeah. didn't realise. Yeah, for or sure. Or they didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Oh look. Anyway, we'll we'll probably have to talk about some more MJ in the future. <laughs> I, I assume he's assume got more hits. I assume there's some more, more coming. Um, so look that's it that's it for the year 1991 yeah. done um, we'll just have a, a real quick look at some of the other action songs that peaked at number two included uh, Sadness Part 1 by Enigma oh uh, yeah unofficial SBS fucking theme <laughs> for several years that's the one that goes whoa, whoa, whoa. sort yeah. of like an Enya style yeah. world music dream. is that uh yeah yeah. i think that's it there's multiple parts Uh, as the name would suggest but yeah rhythm of my heart by rod stewart rush rush by paula abdul the follow-up to opposites attract big hit unforgettable by nat king cole and natalie cole boomer shit uh look i don't won't talk about this for too long but um is it okay to make someone who's dead do a duet with someone else. I don't have a say in it. Yeah, it's like the, is it okay to make a fucking hologram of a dead person perform on stage? That's another one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, look, I think consent is a, is a big thing that people talk about these days <laughs> yeah. in terms of, obviously, relationships and those sorts of things. Um, and it's the same with music almost, Tom. I mean, I can't remember <laughs> Nat... King Cole giving any consent because mm. he's dead for his song to for you know his vocals to be That's used true. in this. So look, I no, think it was the early nineties. Consent wasn't as important. No, back exactly, then. exactly. So look, it's controversial, but <laughs> we shouldn't be doing it, Tom. We shouldn't just be using dead people's no. vocals. Um, more than words by Extreme. Boom. That's um, yeah. that's a bit of a carryover from the eighties yeah. power ballad. The power ballads are weak. They're gonna die off. I think it's shifting but, yep. into just the love song thing. Yeah. But yep. Exactly, Breaking the Weather by Jenny Morris, um, and then Australian. Yep, and then songs that peaked at number three. We're going to get into some action here that you're going to see 
a big shift soon into this type of music yes, that wasn't wasn't this coming is up. The start. So these weren't quite number one hits. So you got Fantasy by Black Box, mm-hmm. Gonna Make You Sweat um, by CNC Music Factory, Wiggle It by Two in a Room. Um, oh, these two are great. <laughs> How to Dance by the Bingo Boys featuring Princella. Sorry, Princessa. 3M Eternal by yeah, the KLF. Those are two quality mainstream dance floor so, bands from the early rave era. Yeah, so I've just listed off literally five in a row of like early 90s, um, yeah. like Euro beat sort of dance bangers. Um, and yeah, not a lot of that in the 80s, but coming up, it's just going oh, to be yeah. wall-to-wall no, this is the of start that. of EDM. Uh, it wasn't called EDM. No. We called it techno at the time. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. But 3M Eternal is a great song. Um, then You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. um, so this was T2 era. T2, yeah. Judgment Day. Um, and then Some Bullshit by UFB40. I won't bother talking about Sexy is the Word by mm. Melissa. We talked about that. Something is Wrong with My Baby by Farnsey and Barnsey. Uh, yeah. Um, and then a couple of other big songs, Screaming Jets, Better. Oh, yeah. They were big at this time too. Shoop Shoop song, it's in his kit, in her kiss uh, by Sher. Set fire to uh, it. That was from that <laughs> fucking movie she was in. Don't care about uh, that. Uh, Mermaids. Was that Oh, uh, yes. Yep. I Want to Sex You Up by Colour Me Bad, the best band of the uh, the 90s, I think, by far. Um, have we talked about I Adore Me or More? We probably haven't yet. Um, I don't think we're going to get a chance to talk. Colour Me Bad, I don't think, hit number one, which is a shame, because I Adore Me or More is one of my favourite songs. I remember Colour Me Bad. I remember I Want to Sex You Up. I mean, how I want to sex. It's four dudes wearing four extremely bright suits <laughs> jumping around, yes. and I Adore Me or More is one of the sketchiest video clips you've ever seen in your life, but it's just, they're oh, on a deserted yeah. island and it's just like got this real weird vibe where it's like fucking hell um but yeah it's good um rock melons burn for you by john farnham black cat by janet jackson oh yeah used to like that one. Oh yeah off rhythm nation 1814 can you believe oh, that came out 200 years ago Tom? <laughs> <laughs> i probably made that joke once before but yeah apologies um yeah it's crazy 200 years of rhythm nation but the thing is oh, that PM um dawn. Fuck, is, I forgot about him. is uh yeah pm dawn um, oh, and don't forget Where Are You Now by Roxas. And oh. yeah, you were right about Roxas. I watched that video. Those guys had not got the facts that the 80s were over. No, <laughs> that was like a not. Richard Marks B-side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the good thing about Where Are You Now by Roxas is that, yeah, they are writing that power ballad 80s oh, material 100%. as far as they can well into 1991. Yeah, um, and d- the thing is, do you think mentally they were like, okay, the album's just dropped we've got a song that's not just on the on the fringe of the top 10 next album we'll, we'll really get it banging and then hello 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 <laughs> where the lights are yeah, and that sort God. of was just like dudes you, everything that you're doing is <laughs> uh, is not what people want and yeah it is yeah. I, I never really thought about it at the time about how yeah I guess if you're playing a very specific style of music um, it takes can time go to realise that the winds have changed you know as the scorpions once told us like <laughs> yeah absolutely the cold war doesn't end like that no, you know? it, doesn't it takes take a few scorpion ballads and some whistling before you realize that yeah for sure um so that's the other hits i oh. mean i think guns i think axel rose still thinks that he's got a chance against nirvana yeah, like, yeah. he's not aware that grunge <laughs> I guess if you're the biggest, if you were so big, like Guns N' Roses, even if you went from selling 20 million down to... Yeah. You could still go, well, only 
10% of our fan base still want that, but we're still going to sell like two or three million. <laughs> that's right. And then we're still going to be able to tour it. So that's fine. But yeah, when you're an up and coming group, yeah. It's not yeah, work, no, but... that would suck. Anyway, so thanks for listening. That's 1991. Um, sorry if that went for 12 hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, probably probably should have spoken less about Melissa, but that's fine. No, that's okay. I hope, I hope you can go and watch the video say, clips. Yeah. Go watch Go watch. Sexy is the Word yeah, and Read watch. My Lips. It's super 90s. You'll go watch it. Black or White. The extended version. Watch the ending and see if you think I'm exaggerating about the amount of masturbation he gets up to. Exactly. All right. Thank you. See you later.